For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. The only problem I'm having with it now is the browser. I've had it for so long, Recorded the browser live. is out of date. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I lost my password to it, so I can't. you can't download anything without your password. So I can't update my browser, but it, it does what I need to do. I have other ones that have more up-to-date browsers and so forth. But my, my large one that I do the programs on and so forth, that is, uh, and I've had this, Almost um, probably mm, eight years, perhaps uh-huh. eight years. So yeah, apples are great. That's, that's, that's antiquated, Melody. It is. That's why eight I said the browsers is out of date. But um, you know, we only have a couple minutes left. Uh, I know we didn't get to a lot of the things that you wanted to talk to about today, Al. I was just, you know, I got some. We're out of time. No. Yeah, we I are. I want to. Well, sorry, you'll have to come back tomorrow for more Melody. Okay. So will you folks. I uh, hope you'll tune in tomorrow. Melody and I will be back at that part time. In the meantime, may the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, and Todd, the producer. Hey. Bye-bye. investment in protecting yourself and your family. You've purchased the gun, the ammunition, the training, and even secured a license to carry in your state. You know the Constitution and don't believe you should have to pay for a right that you already have, as written in the Second Amendment, but you are law-abiding. Now you are considering the legal defense options you should have if you ever have to use a firearm. Self-Defense Fund is a comprehensive litigation membership backing you on appeals, legal expenses, court costs, and more, up to $1 million per incident and unlimited attorney costs per member. Discover SelfDefenseFund.com for yourself. Any weapon, any state, any time. Hello, I'm Gary Wilcox with Pet Floors of Houston. We specialize in luxury vinyl tile installations for your home or your office. We sell a high-performance floor that is perfect for anyone who has dogs or cats or is trying to get a floor that just looks beautiful without nearly the maintenance that other floors have. It's a heavy-duty commercial PVC product. It looks like wood or stone or tile. This is a floor choice that you find major retailers have in their stores or intimate cafe or even your fast food restaurants. The adhesive that we use is waterproof. The product is waterproof, and so therefore, you can use a bleach water solution, clean it right up, and you're back to normal. It doesn't hold any odor, it's realistic, it's hygienic, it's affordable, and there's no click, click, click noise on it when you walk on this floor. It's just amazing. We've been in this house for about eight years, and we've had some hardwood floors down. And it was really one of those things where they were looking worn and need to be refinished, and we were really looking for an alternative. We 
found Gary was cut floors. He came out and measured. The measurement process went very easily, and when it came to installation time, they came out here to a fine job. The installers were great. The service has been great ever since. I love my new floors. They're great, extremely durable, and they just look beautiful. From a cleaning standpoint, from an overall care standpoint, you don't even have to think about what you're doing. It's, it's, there's no special care. It's, it's really nice. We actually have a mobile showroom, so I can come out to your home or offices at a time that's convenient for you, and I can show you the samples that would look right in your home. I can even help you make decisions and coach you through this. It's not like I've done this one or two times, but I've done it many, many times. So give me a phone call, and I'm happy to come out there. I do estimates for you right there on the spot, and it's all free of charge. That's Floyd of Houston. Floor.com. TV and radio are great mediums for mass instruction, but for those times when you just want to hold something in your hands, there is the damn good times. I still love the newspaper, but I'm tired of the liberal bias. That's why I reach for the damn good times. Always full of interesting stories and great information, and you can have it delivered to your doorstep by calling 281-332-5710 or sending an email to news at thedamngoodtimes.com. Just $50 a year will get a full subscription. It's a great gift for all of Patriots, you know. Do it now. As you know, this is the final stage in your examination. It's a rather informal test in which we try to get some line on your ability to think on your feet. Your reaction to stress and pressure. Clear your desk. Get your number two pencil ready. If you are ready, the Inquisition is about to begin. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. If you have questions, please refer them to the chat room and make them good. Go ahead, make my day. You've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, Bunk? Live from Houston, Texas, a man who calls it like he sees it, without the normal political correctness he may have grown comfortable with. It's time for the Texas Perspective on Current News and Events. This show is not for the faint of heart or easily offended. Chances are you will learn something and along the way get to hear some great music from bands you may have missed. The doctor is in and he will see you now. Well, I guess we better get on with it. And good afternoon. We are, of course, getting on with it. You're listening to the Doc Green Show. We are live from Houston, and it is a Thursday, so glad to have you all with us today. We've got a lot of exciting things for you. I'm going to save you a little time. Donald Trump gave a speech today. We're going to get to that. I cut it up, so it'll save you, I'll save you at least 30 minutes, and uh, that way we can dissect it and get on to what that's all about today. And, of course, we're going to have your phone calls, 800-932-1980, so you can uh, dive in here and be part of the show in that respect as we're getting it all going. We're about to get up on YouTube, so give me another minute here, and I'll have that going for you. Unfortunately, I have uh, a day job that I have to also attend, and that makes it more difficult for me to to, uh, get to all of these things and get to it in a timely manner. But nonetheless, we're going to... Want to do all of that. So uh, for those of you that uh, have YouTube capability, feel free to switch over there and join us on the YouTube channel. 
make sure we got everything lined up here. And we also have on the newsmaker line a a fellow by the name of Tio. I don't know if I use your last name or not. Do I? Oh, I'd rather you did not. Okay, we won't do that. We'll we'll uh, we'll allow you to maintain some anonymity. And um, so I wanted to get you on the show today. I heard that you wanted to call in and, and talk, and that you had some items you would like to debate. And I wanted to bring you in. So, Teal, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you for having me on, Doc. I want you to know I've listened to your show several times, and you are a very polished interviewer. <laughs> well, you're you're too kind. <laughs> but I'll accept it. Thank you very much. Well, um, actually, uh, I know that there are a number of red meat issues that uh, we that, that that everybody would rather talk about, and we will talk about it hopefully. But the way to get there, I think, is 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 to discuss. Uh, first off, I, I kind of bill myself as the last living liberal in America, um, and. Uh, I, my beliefs are that liberals, the idea of what liberals are, was shaped by television shows like All in the Family and um, the Rowan and Martin show and uh, guys like Ray Walsh and, you know, people who made a certain generation think that it was not hip to, dis, uh, to distance themselves from their parents' and grandparents' beliefs and values. I, I think that people think of a liberal and they think of the meathead. Yeah. And uh, that is that is really not, uh, if that's what a liberal is, then I guess I'm not a liberal. Uh, but, uh, but my definition of liberal doesn't come from the student daily news. It comes from guys like John Locke and Hank Aaron, I mean, uh, Aaron Hankson, and, you know, political philosophers. Uh-huh. And, and And what's happened here is, and I understand this, is that conservatives want to believe themselves conservatives because conservatives are now believed to be people who believe in personal responsibility, unlimited government, free markets, individual liberty, American values, uh, empowering the individual to solve problems, things that nobody would argue with, certainly not liberal. And um, uh, the idea that government has been used to change our lives and, and infringe upon those freedoms causes, and, and that that's liberal government, mm-hmm. causes us to believe, first, that we don't need a lot of government, and second, that liberals are bad people. So um, I, bearing that in mind, I, we can talk about any red meat issue you like, gun control or abortion, whatever. Well, uh, you do hit on something. Uh, the classic liberal is not as as it was portrayed, keeping in mind that the guy that created that show, All in the Family, considered himself to be a classic liberal. Uh, he was, oh, trying, he to was. Have a, trying to have a little bit of fun, uh, maybe at both sides' expense. But, you know, I go back and I listen to that stuff, and I, I, I listen to uh, some of the views of Archie Bunker, and I say, gee, Archie Bunker is me. So if you want to make fun of me, I guess you can. But... Uh, Archie Bunker had some fabulous ideas about how things are supposed to be. Now, uh, Tio, I've said it here on the show before that uh, conservatism is dead. What are we trying to conserve? Because everything that we cared about has been dead and gone for over 100 years. Uh, That in mind that uh, I see with Donald Trump's presidency, and we're going to talk about it later on in the show today, uh, maybe some of that is getting revived. Maybe I'm becoming slightly more optimistic than I was. But uh, 
For the benefit of our viewers and listeners, uh, Tio, would you lay out what you believe is a classic liberal? I believe that a, a, a classic liberal is a person, and, and this, this comes from my Quaker upbringing, uh, the people who uh, sort of invented American liberalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, uh, I believe that a classic liberal believes, first off, that, that his faith ends where the tip of the other guy's nose begins. That's a good place to start. Okay. Uh, I believe that a classic liberal uh, believes absolutely and, and, and will defend to the death the, the, the right of individuals to be themselves within the, those limitations imposed by uh, the environment and the society they're living in. And by that, I don't mean the, the societal rules. By that, I mean what's good for the society or not. Um, I believe that the classic liberal, but, 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 but to get down to, I mean, to get down to what we've got to talk about some, I believe the classic liberal believes that government is necessary to preserve the commons. Uh, and by the commons, I mean um, uh, not what Tom Hartman believes so much about it, but, but more like, uh, More like Mary Hartman. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, I had to go there. This is Mary Hartman, buddy. I had to um, go there. <laughs> uh, I, I think that, that, that liberals believe that government is necessary for individuals to achieve opportunity and equality, but based on... You're breaking up a little bit there, Tio. I don't know if you moved or uh, if you're on a cell phone, but... Uh, let's see if we get a little better audio there. Yeah, listen, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing something that, 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 that other guys would kick me off their shows for. I'm using a cell phone, but it's out of necessity, <laughs> believe me. Um, you just got to stand uh, in the right place and hold your mouth right. Yeah, we can do that. I'm trying to do that, but as a liberal, we all know that we, you know, holding our mouths right is something that's hard to do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I think I think that the classic liberalism uh, believes that government has to has to exist uh, in order to achieve equal opportunity and equality for individuals, and it goes back to to what Rousseau was writing about, and that is that the people are the are are the sovereigns. They're the ones who have the right to you know to to determine how things ought to be, and that a government has to be imposed uh, in order for the will of the people to be affected. And it troubles me when I hear conservatives say, well, we're against big government, and when that's so absolutely not true. I mean, why in the world would, would government allow something like um, uh, gun control, for instance? Uh, what's happening is because gun control is just a law. It gets passed by a few people, and there's a few people that are— you know, involved in, in the enforcement of it. Uh, but, uh, but keeping in but mind that real... it's completely unconstitutional and the well, National no, course, Firearms of, of Act course. should be repealed immediately. In fact, we've got a petition up right now that's gaining a lot of signatures to get that done. But go, of go course. ahead. Of uh, Listen, Doc, uh, I, I absolutely agree with the fact that it's unconstitutional, but it's also unsustainable. And the reason for that is, is that the police are the ones who ought to be figuring out how to, how to prevent crime. The federal government should not be trying to impose limits on 
the actions and behaviors of individuals of its society based on the actions of a few other people. They, they ought to instead uh, task—well, the police are already tasked with enforcing crime. They ought to do something about evaluating the way that the police are doing that and asking them, how the heck is it that a guy walked into a, a, a school full of kids with, a, with an AK-47? How'd you guys let that happen? Uh, you know, how in the world are, are all these killings in Chicago happening? What are you policemen doing up there? You know, what is your plan? And who's making that plan? And, I, you know, uh, we could talk all day long about how that happened. But, 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 but in truth, it's a conservative idea, rather, to, uh, 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 to pass, uh, to, you know, to pass gun control. Gun control would limit the size of government. You pass a law against guns, and that limits the size of government. If you, if you uh, task the police with doing their job, that means they're going to have to spend a lot more money, not only retooling the way they do things, but, but hiring more people and getting more equipment. So that's, to me, more of a liberal idea, using government and expanding government to get something done. Well, my thoughts on that, of course, to you, are if you are going to task the police with anything more serious than writing a report— and notifying the next of kin, uh, you seriously overburdened them and uh, exceeded what their authority really is. The only way to prevent crime in America is, A, an absolute belief stood behind by the government that there is a God and there is a payday someday. That's number one. And number two, making sure that every person in that, gov in that entire society is capable of defending themselves and has the means to do so. I mean, that's a classic idea. You want to talk about a classic liberal, go to Thomas Jefferson. He was a classic liberal. And he said that you should uh, take frequent walks for your constitution and, and that your, your rifle should be a constant companion. Did he not? He did, and, and he was right. And uh, 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 I, I tell you, I used to write essays. I wrote essays for a couple of liberal uh uh, libraries for about 20 years, and I got kicked off uh, in in the last couple of years because I was beginning to write letters about uh, essays about how liberalism had changed, and guys like Chris Hedges didn't like that. <laughs> but, uh, but but the, the 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 what you said is true, and and I think what you're talking about is a a reasonable stopgap solution. Uh, uh, it's not an answer. It's not a, it's not a panacea. In the end, we're going to have to have a society. Our society is too big to depend on, you know, you being a faster gun than, than you know, than some gang member. We, we, we need a, a police, a police system and a criminal justice system that is not uh, burdened with uh, overly much with, 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 uh, budget concerns and is not overregulated by the federal government and has some freedom to act within its own community, perhaps in some ways that are, you know, not so great and people don't like so much, you know, having to do with search and seizure and whatnot, to get the rot off the street and keep them off the street. Well, going back to my earlier thought on that, uh, T.O., is that, once again, if, if religion is a constant 
You know, when I was a kid, I was growing up, and and, uh, I wasn't the best kid growing up. I'll just tell you that right now. But I understood that certain things were beyond the pale, and I truly did understand that there was a God and there was a payday someday. Now, we didn't go to church much when I was a kid. Uh, We lived quite a ways away. And, uh, but, you know, I just completely understood that. So it kept me from doing a lot of stuff that I otherwise might have done. And it was the same thing with everyone that I went to school with. We, we all knew that. Uh, and the entire time I was growing up, uh, there was never a murder within 150 miles of where I lived. Not a single murder in 150 miles. And criminals, uh, pretty much, it was pretty much petty crime. I mean, the occasional... Uh, you know what big-time crime was? Somebody might steal somebody's cow. You know, they might steal a horse. But even that didn't happen often. And it's because we had that two constant things. First of all, everybody where I grew up had probably four, five, six guns. They were always kept loaded, and half of them were carried in the back of our cab in our unlocked pickup truck. So everybody had a gun. So obviously having lots of guns is not the problem. Uh, but the church was strong. I mean, there were all the different denominations, but the church was there. We all knew that there was a God, there was a payday someday. We just didn't have much in the way of crime. Um, there's always going to be some thugs. There were, there were some drug dealers, things like that. But it was it was an anomaly, T.O., and even the criminals behaved well to a certain degree. I mean, no criminal would ever show disrespect, for instance, to the father of the Catholic Church or, or to the pastor of another church, uh, or even to the cops, for that matter. They'd always at least act respectfully. What do we have today? Uh, you, you look at a city like Chicago, there's no respect for anybody in that city. And that's because we have broken down the basis of society, which is good religion and well-armed people. So your thoughts that's on correct. that, Theo? That, that is correct. And, and, and Chicago is a great place for us to discuss it because uh, where your first point is concerned, uh, uh, respect is something that is uh, only given to money in Chicago. Money is, is the God in Chicago. There is no God in Chicago outside gold. And uh, so, so, so your point there is absolutely correct. And then, and then going to the well-armed society part of it, the only well-armed part of Chicago is, are the gangs. Yes. I mean, you know, if you have a, a, a permit to own, you may not carry a gun in Chicago if you, or Illinois at all. Yes, and if but you're not if you a resident a- of Illinois, you cannot carry a weapon legally in Illinois. I found that out. So even That's though right. I, I am licensed, I cannot legally carry in Illinois. And I ran into a police officer from New York while I was up there with Freedom Works, and he said the same thing. I can't carry either. He said, I'm, I've been a cop for 25 years. I can't carry a weapon in Illinois. Insanity. Now, I, I understand that, that part of having a liberal on your show is that, you know, that you're, that you're kind of probably tired of preaching to the choir. But— I'm going to look full disclosure here. I, I I've got 15 guns and, and they're mostly assault type guns. They're, they're made, they're not made for hunting. They're, they're made for killing people. <laughs> and that the reason for that is, is that I have very good reason to believe that, that I may need to use those someday. And, 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 and every day that passes makes it more likely because we're living in a much more dangerous society. And as to how that happened, it happened as a result of, well, let's go back to Archie Bunker for a minute. He did a really funny piece 
it's out on Facebook here recently, in which he was talking about the Statue of Liberty. Now, I've been saying this for most of my adult life, and that is we ought to, we ought to melt that darn thing down and make pennies out of it. <laughs> uh, any, you know, to have, a, to have a very tall, valuable metal structure that could be put to better use, standing there is simply a sign that says, send us your deadbeats. Uh, send us your people who are barely on the edge and need health care, you know, and, and, and let us take care of them. Uh, and, and it's, and it's a, it, it, it sounds when to a young person, especially if it's presented in a patriotic way, as if it's a beacon of light in the darkness, but it's not. It, it, it is a beacon of light in the darkness, and, and the darkness holds many terrors and many uh, bad things, and you should not shine your light and attract those things to your campsite. So uh, I, 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 we're going to have a hard time disagreeing about this here uh, gun control thing because my belief is, is it should be expanded some. I don't think that a guy who's been convicted of uh, – now, this isn't because – by the way, this isn't because I know anybody or have been convicted myself of this. But I don't think that a guy that's been convicted of a, a case of any charge of um, family violence – just, just any charge, you know, like the police went out there and said, oh, I don't know, it looks like he did it, now we're going to charge him. Now that guy cannot own a gun or carry a gun. And I find that to be extremely offensive because, the, you know, our criminal justice system is just as broken as the rest of our government is. Well, the, you're right. Uh, I call it the criminal injustice system. And I, I see uh, my local college here offers a uh, course on criminal justice, but I, you know, there is no justice for criminals, at least not now. This may be about to change, but uh, perhaps one area, you know, and, and you're probably going to find yourself more conservative than you think you are, my friend. Perhaps one area that we could completely agree on is that if you committed a felony and you have paid the penalty of that felony, you you went to prison for your, you know, 5, 10, 12 years, whatever it is, and you came out, I think that all of your rights to keep and bear arms should be restored. Um, I, 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 okay, so let me first off agree with that. And, and then secondly, let me say this, and that is, I, I don't think so. I, I don't think that you're more liberal than you think you are or I'm more conservative than I think I am. I think that what's happened is, is over the last 30 years, we've been sold a bill of goods about what liberal and conservative means. Now, in my mind, uh, going back to the, the principles of this, let, let, let's pick a red meat issue here, okay? Because right. I'm sure some pick, of your listeners are getting one. tired of theory. <laughs> let's, let's talk about abortion because, you know, nobody's interested in that one. No. <laughs> uh, to, to use the student daily news definition of the liberal, I'm going to read this to you if you don't mind. Uh, the liberal view on abortion is that a woman has the right to decide what happens with her body. Now, let's just stop right there and let me say I agree with that. Unless she's committed a crime and, and the state has some control over her body, she has, a woman has the right to decide what happens with it. Now, now I, I don't I'm, I don't want to go any further than that, but I'm just saying it's her body, and she has I, I don't have the right to come up and grab her arm or, you know, or or, or 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 force her body to do something she doesn't want it to do. Now, then it says a fetus is not a human life. Now that is not true. I know lots of of, of liberals who 
who who believe that a fetus is a human life, and so I think that. Well, you're speaking to a former is, fetus. Well, no, no. I I think what's <laughs> happened here is is that guys who were fake liberals, these these real dunderheads like Ted Kennedy, uh, that people identify as liberal, uh, John Kerry, the list goes on. Uh, Bill Clinton. Uh, these guys were not liberals, uh, uh, but at all. But 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 they got identified as liberals. Hillary is identified as liberal, but 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 she does not represent the, the liberal view. And I can tell you right now, I, I can get you a petition, a petition signed immediately by a thousand liberals that'll declare themselves liberals that a fetus is a human life. So anyway, so so it does not have separate individual rights, man. You know, it does have separate individual rights. It writes it's a separate person. It just hasn't. It, it just hasn't been popped out yet. Uh, the government should provide taxpayer-funded abortions for women who cannot afford them. Now, I don't agree that the government should be going around paying for abortions. First off, anybody I know that's had an abortion has always had to pay for it. By the way. But, but I'm sure that there are women who are getting taxpayer-funded abortions. The question here, in my mind, is not should women be getting taxpayer-funded abortions. The question in my mind is, is, are there some medical treatments that people should be getting taxpayer funding for? And the answer to that is yes, but abortion is no. I mean, you know, you, you broke it, you fix it. Um, All right, now we found an area of disagreement because I don't believe okay. it's the taxpayer's job to pay for anybody's health care. I think well, the government right. has no constitutional right to be involved in health care at any level. And it has always been my position and will always be my position that the first place you go when you got a problem is you go to your family. And if you've burnt that bridge because you've been that much of a jerk, uh, then you go to the church. And that means you got to submit yourself to the church and, and go along with what they believe in. And if you're incapable of doing that, well, then you better figure out how to take care of it on your own because the government has no business taking care of any of that, period, end, end of question from my standpoint. Does that make me a, a conservative? No. And, and by the way, uh, let me just say that this is a perfect example of, of what makes you such a, a classically good interviewer. You've managed to pinpoint something right away that we do disagree about. But I think the reason for the disagreement is, is we're looking at it from different heights. You just mentioned a case in which a guy was, uh, uh, was irresponsible and foolish and burned his bridges with his resources and therefore should somehow or another be made to, to be accountable for that. And with that, I agree. But, but let's talk about somebody else. Let's, let's talk about um, a, a, a guy who was working at uh, a, a cement truck company, and he was doing his job diligently and paying his taxes and has three kids, and the, the cement truck overturns, and, uh, and he's injured, and he goes to get treatment, and but it turns out that, and you can check this anywhere, Doc, and in fact, you should check it right here in your, in your own state. Um, workman's comp is a joke. Uh, uh, hey, it's $17.53 a day. How can you go wrong? 
Doc, see, now at the very same time, this wife, his wife develops both bipolar illness and is unable to work. And one of the kids gets sick. Now, this is a wholly different situation than the one you mentioned. And I think that if we're going to have a society in which we are going to determine that citizenship has value, that we have just got to understand that all of the resources that this country produces must be looked at in such a way that a portion of them are used to defend and and care for those people who are deserving and and, and unable to, to do those things. Well, once again, T.O., I mean, this is where we, we definitely have to disagree because, once again, in that instance you just mentioned, the government has no responsibility whatsoever. So that guy, first well, place he goes. Why do you goes, say that? Well, first place he goes, I was driving your cement truck. We had an accident. Uh, you, Mr. Employer, have some responsibility here. That's what if one. I decide I don't want to live up to it? And then number two, we go back to the family and the church. It is not the government's responsibility. It's not T.O.'s responsibility. It's not my responsibility to pay for any of that. It's just, just the way it is. And Frank said, uh, well, the guy should have been making enough money that he could buy his own insurance. And if he, if he wasn't, maybe he should not have taken that job. But we get back to personal responsibility. The government has no constitutional authority to be involved in that, and that has nothing to do with society. The breakdown of society is the breakdown in the fact that you and I are now denying our responsibility to help that guy as a church or, or his family. And if he's got no family, then he goes to the church. But it's one of those deals where if you're not going to submit to the societal rules that the church has— you're not entitled to any of their benefits. Your thoughts, Theo? Well, well, first off, let me apologize to you. I, I, I was not listening closely enough when you were talking about family and church as being. I, I didn't realize that you had made that um, a uh, a third leg in, in in the tripod that supports your your logic here. So now I acknowledge that. I, I okay. Now I understand. What it is that you're saying, and 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 I I would say this is what I'm tempted to say right away, and that is that fam families and and churches have become notoriously fewer and less reliable. But that, thank, but that thank sounds you, fair. government. Government destroyed the family and the church with a welfare system that is so all encompassing that now. When uh, somebody in the family decides they want to misbehave to you, they just simply say, hey, you guys take a hike. I don't need you. And, and you, you, Mr. Husband, you're a pain in the butt. You expect me to cook breakfast, have sex with you every day? Get the hell out of here. I can get the government to put the food on my table. Yeah, well, whatever the reasons that drive families apart and, and, and make churches dissolve, I, I think it's hard to have a conversation like this in which we can take a time machine and go back to when something happened, because this is where we are, and we got to talk about, you know, uh, what, how is liberal and conservative thinking going to help us in today's situation? I mean, look, you know, you and I both probably would defend with our lives, whether we took an oath or not, the the, the principles and and the and the and and the and the legitimacy of the U.S. Constitution, but. And, and 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 you and I both would probably 
uh, double team some guy that said something bad about Trump and kick his butt. But but having said that, having said that, uh, yeah, we uh, Donald Trump on his first day of office openly abrogated the U.S. Constitution. In other words, he informed us, and he has continued to inform us every day since, that we are at this present time living in uh, a uh, representative monarchy. And, and, and I don't disagree with him. The U.S. Constitution is perfect, but it's, it hasn't been safeguarded by the people who swore to uphold with their lives I know that, you know, right. the principles of it. <laughs> So, so, our, so now our U.S. I mean, it can't work if the people who say that they're going to make it work don't make it work. But if people did that, then it would work, and we wouldn't be where we're at. The the, the question is, is what are we going to do? And I think it's what we're doing. We, you know, we've got a guy who I personally like. He did something for a mental patient of mine years ago. Uh, he sent the guy eight thousand, oh no, five thousand uh, dollars because the guy said, look, I'm mentally impaired. I can't work. Uh, I, I have been trying to work. And, and the problem isn't that I can't pay my bills. But, uh, you and the government pay my bills. The problem is, is I don't have any money to have fun. And Trump sent the guy a check. But I, I, I told him good luck. You know, I was, I was part of a team that was trying to teach people how to, how to go back to work with, with mental illness. Mm -hmm. And, and I'll be damned, you know, about three months later, here comes this letter with a check for $5,000. And the letter says, uh, I understand what it's like not to have enough money to afford the things that I want to do that are extra. So here's $8,000 and don't waste any of it on bills. <laughs> I mean, but I, I like that guy. I thought Donald <laughs> Trump was some kind of a horrible monster. At least that's what the press and the Republicans would have had us believe. Obviously, he's not. But here's the beauty of that, Tio. And this is, once again, where I think we have a total agreement. Donald Trump gave that out of the goodness of his heart. I have done things for people in my life. I, I knew a guy that needed new tires on his car. I knew he didn't make enough money to go buy the new tires. I bought the tires and put them on his car. But nobody made me do that. I'm nope. not the government. He was a friend, nope. and I and I just felt nope. like doing it. Now that is the way it's supposed to work. But it was supported by liberal thinking, because here, here's the here's the liberal thought. The liberal thought is is if I help this guy that I know is being productive. In other words, I'm not throwing my money down a rat hole here. If I help him get on his feet and get back out there and start catching fish, my community is going to be doing better. There'll be fewer broken windows. Well, and indeed, that that is what happened, and uh, and the guy did get a very good job eventually, made a lot of money, and we're still friends. That was, you know, I don't know, ten years ago, but yeah, he's uh, you know he's he's made himself a member of society, and he and he made it up, but it's got to be voluntary. Government needs to keep their hands off and stay out. Government should never be involved in unemployment insurance. Government should never be involved in health insurance. Government should do two things, essentially, in my thoughts, Theo, and we got to hit a break here, so hang on. Government should do two things. They should defend our borders and make sure that there is a court system where grievances can be aired. And beyond that, I see no purpose for government. We're going to answer that question when we get right back on the Doc Green Show.
Smoke Depot wishes you well. Locally owned and operated, we have all sorts of tobacco products. Come take advantage of our sale on vapor products up to 50% off. Thanks for listening to us on the Dot Green Show on ABRN, RER, Facebook, or YouTube. We are located at 1639 West Highway 290 in Fredericksburg. Like us on Facebook, Tejas Smoke Depot in Fredericksburg, Texas. Here's an important message from Vita Scientific. If you have high blood sugar or type 2 diabetes, these are serious medical issues that require immediate attention. Did you know that it's possible to actually reverse high blood sugar and diabetes by using simple, natural products proven to balance your blood sugar? It's time to do what I did. Take control of your life. Vita Scientific's clinically tested formula will help you to feel healthy and energetic. These breakthrough supplements, along with small changes in your diet and exercise plan, may be the answer you've been looking for to set you on the path to optimal health. These products will not interfere with your current medical treatments, so start getting excited about feeling great again. Please visit VitaScientific.com or call Vita Scientific at 210-520-8432. That's 210-520-8432 to learn more. Tell them Doc Green sent you and get 50% off your first order. Call now. You just defended yourself with a gun. There were multiple assailants, and you were really concerned about your legal jeopardy and the resulting media coverage. Was deadly force justified? In your town, the politics of self-defense is not favorable, but at least you're alive and your family is protected. Fortunately, you have Self-Defense Fund, a comprehensive litigation membership backing you on appeals, legal expenses, court costs, and more, up to $1 million per incident and unlimited attorney cost per member. Discover selfdefensefund.com for yourself. Any weapon, any state, anytime. Maintaining your home air conditioner is just as important as maintenance on your car. You don't know the big difference there's going to be until you've had the work done. I thought my system was working fine, but now it's better than ever. Galen Beatty did it for me, and he'll do it for you. Good servicing will not only keep your system performing well during the sweltering summers here in Houston, but it will save you money year after year. In my case, it cut my AC power consumption by 20%. Do what I did. Have Galen Beatty set up regular AC maintenance to cut your energy bill and prevent system failure at the worst time. Time. And what's better than being comfortable and saving money? Whether you need a basic tune-up or it's time to put in a new super-efficient system, you should call BDAC, 281-222-9591. That's 281-222-9591 to schedule an AC system tune-up. BDAC and Heat. That's B-E-E-D-E-A-C and Heat.com. BDAC and Heat.com. better believe it. Not only is the doctor in today, but I've got a fellow by the name of Tio on the line, and we are discussing liberalism versus conservatism, or whatever's left of both. And uh, when we left off, um, we were, were talking about what what is legitimate and reasonable for a government to be involved in, and I think we may have uh, touched on, on at least one area of possible agreement uh, based on based on my argument, Tio, uh, would you agree that that uh, it's better that the government not have anything to do 
with uh, welfare, unemployment insurance, uh, health care, et cetera? Uh, well, setting aside for a moment whether uh, either of our ideologies is liberal or conservative, let's talk about those two ideologies. Uh, because they're, because I have a differing view than yours, um, I I think that I, I don't believe. In fact, I can see very clearly that um, the people who m- manage the flow of money are completely unreliable people. Uh, they are self-interested, and their only interest is in making more money. Now. Uh, First off, Adam Smith, I think Adam Smith was wrong on a lot of levels, but I think he was right on on some levels. Um, but one thing I think he was wrong about was that, that in the end, uh, capitalism was going to win out because uh, people would uh, would gravitate toward the, the, the better product or the better deal. And, and, and so whatever, you know, wasn't competitive was unsustainable and would fall away. I disagree with that. I think that supply-side economics has proven that to be wrong. Our government was used to subvert our economy and turn it into a demand uh, supply, you know, economy to a, 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 a supply-side deal. And, 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 and rather than cite more instances about it, I'll just say that I think that we do need a government to regulate um, the actions of the people who control our money. I, I, I think that I, we need our billionaires, man. We need our rich people. No, no great society can, can exist without them. But, I, but, but it's clear that they need regulation. The fact that all those regulations, the minute we pull Glass-Steagall out, our, our economy worldwide collapsed. So no, Doc, I, I, I think that, uh, that we need a government to do more than just provide a, uh, an army and, and, uh, uh, see, and see to, uh, I, I, and I, but, but I get your point of view, I, I think, not, and am I wrong? Is, is, is your point of view not that the better way will win out because that's what the people will gravitate toward? Well, I'm not sure that that's uh, what has been happening, but, you know, it's, a, in my mind, a completely new day. Uh, the Glass-Steagall Act, by the way, uh, passed in 1930-something, uh, basically uh, limited the banks and what they could do. It basically said if you're a bank— you're not allowed to invest your money in uh, risky business deals and stuff like that. You're a bank, and uh, whatever you make money on, it's got to be a pretty safe bet. Uh, probably uh, we should not have gotten rid of that because if you want to know what uh, caused the whole too-big-to-fail deal, well, it was the lack of this sort of thing. On the other hand, the Dodd-Frank bill was even worse. Uh, uh, you're right. <laughs> that that <laughs> totally <laughs> Totally ripped it, ripped it up, and tore it up, and destroyed it, and and caused a well. What we what we've been going through is a depression. I think we're now on our way out of it. Thank you, Donald Trump, and that's what we're going to be talking about an hour two. Is some of the things that he's already done, and a guy hadn't even been president yet for a week. Uh, <laughs> but um, getting getting back to what should the government do? Well, the government, I guess, to a certain degree, has to control some of that stuff. Uh, trade deals, on the other hand, 
I'm not sure the government should be involved in trade deals. I'm not sure that we just shouldn't let our businesses uh, establish their own trade deals. And if you want to do business with some crazy guy in China and you trust him, well, go right on ahead. I had the opportunity to do that, by the way, and I turned it down. I, I said, no, nope, too, many, too many problems here. I'd rather just deal with American. So maybe I'd and be that's rich. that's why you're still doing a radio show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and of course, I, I tell you right now, somebody dropped the big check on me and said, all right, here's your, here's your 20 mil. Uh, you know, I, I'd still do the radio show. I, I do. Yeah, I can feel I your like passion. Uh, and, and I do this because I think uh, to be able to get on uh, with someone like yourself, Tio, for instance, and lay out these ideas and talk about them, this is very educational for uh, for everybody, and it, it, it helps me to decide if my own arguments are sound. Well, certainly I have to examine my own argument. And, and, and I, in fact, I do it all the time. And I've had some seismic shifts recently with, uh, with the election. But um, I, I, I just want to say that um, I, I think, you know what I think? I, I think what you and I disagree about is not whether or not government should have you know, some control over, over uh, uh, the way that things are done in America. I think, first off, we agree the government should have less control over how we do it and, you know, our personal lives. Uh, but, but more about what should be the limits and the extent. In other words, maybe they ought to be doing a lot of things, but they ought to be doing it maybe uh, less and, and maybe more competently. Well, yeah, and, and Frank, uh, producer Frank has just chimed in here. He said the government needs to enforce tariffs and relieve the American people. you got to go back to, uh, uh, who is it, uh, William Howard Taft, and uh, that's when we begin to see the erosion of our tariff system. Up until that yeah. point in time, the entire government was financed by tariffs, and tariffs did two things. Uh, first of all, and very importantly, I think, they protected American industry. And it made American products more affordable. And so chances are, if you were going to buy something, you'd buy American. If you want something imported, you were going to pay more for it. And I think that was probably a really good idea. And I don't think Taft should have gotten rid of that. He started by saying, hey, if they build it in the Philippines, there should be no tariff on it. Bad idea. Whether you want to support the Philippines or not, it was a bad idea. And that was the beginning of the end, I think, for a lot of what we do here in America. Uh, the income tax is immoral. The income tax should not exist. It should be done away with. I would like to see us go back to a tariff system. So maybe the government's got some involvement there. But typically, when we talk about liberal policies versus conservative, um, I'm not sure that even enter, enters into that. Uh, your, your thoughts, Tio? Well, I certainly agree with that. I, I, and, I, and also, it's funny you bring up this thing about tariffs and tax. Uh, Taft, uh, uh, many years ago, when it, actually early on in my essay writing, I wrote an essay uh, that attacked uh, the way that, that that was dealt with in the media and and uh, and in the and in, in, and in the legislation in the legislative uh, uh, response because to me that was not an issue about tariffs. That, to me, that was an issue about citizenship. Um, I, I I think we've just cheapened our the, the citizenship in this country to the point where it's valueless. Oh yes, and, I uh, agree. And and I, I mean, unlike unlike the Romans, I think that you know citizenship should be granted under very strict circumstances, 
and it should be treated uh, with great care and respect. And the way you would do that is to make it valuable. And when you lower the tariffs of things that are coming into the country, what you're doing is you're allowing non-citizens uh, to have a privilege that, that, that your own citizens can't have. Correct. And so I saw it as a citizenship issue. I, I, I saw it that they were polluting our citizenship issue. Well, that's one of the things we're to talk about at the top of the hour is uh, what does it mean to be an American citizen and, and should the government stand up for you? Uh, you brought up the idea of Roman citizenship. Back then, there were two ways you could become a Roman citizen. A, you were born in the Roman state. B, you could purchase that citizenship, but it was at great cost. And their point in doing that was they didn't want anybody becoming a Roman citizen that couldn't contribute something to the Roman society. I'm not sure I have right. any problems with that. Your thoughts? Right. Well, I, I think that an additional benefit of it was that, you know, you need the support of the common people uh, to, to run an effective country. I mean, you know, look at look at George W. Bush's two terms. Uh, you know, the the kind the, of a waste. The, 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 well, the faith of the faith of the people in their own government and in and in the value and and in, and in what their citizenship meant got was eroded terribly. And, uh, and and as a result of that, you know, people were less courteous to each other, lazier, contributed less to, you know, to everything around them, because that's what their president was doing. They were just emulating him. True. And and I think the Romans were on to something when they made people pay highly for that. They made a guy who basically didn't have much but a pottery shop or whatever feel like, hey, I'm as good as a guy, as a king from another country. You know, uh, my, my Roman citizenship makes me as good as him. And I, and I think that was a good thing. I, th I think that was good. It seems to me like Mark Anthony wrote something about that. Of course, there, there was still a situation where Roman citizenship by birth was still, it still gave you uh, some ranking uh, as to having purchased it. And I know that's the case because when Paul was arrested by the Roman soldiers and was being beaten, he reminded them, I am a Roman citizen right. by birth, not by by purchase. And all of a sudden, everything kind of changed for Paul. He said, whoa, excuse me, Mr. Paul. Uh, let's get the governor down here. We need to talk. Uh, That's right. He was entitled to due process. Yes. It changed everything for him. And it should be that way now. But the problem is we've got, I estimate, somewhere around 60 million illegal aliens in this country. And I think your estimate's off by about forty million. I think it's closer to a hundred. Oh well, all right. Here's a guy that thinks the way I think, and he's a liberal, is he? <laughs> yeah, he is. He truly is. He truly is, and I can prove it. You know, I, I I think that here's what I think. I think that liberal and 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 conservative ideology are two sides of a kernel, like the Linux kernel. You know, everybody looked at the Linux kernel and they said, you know what, that is an inseparable form of logic because it, 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 one side of it supports the other side. But it turns out they found a way to split it. And I think that's true of liberal and conservative ideology. I think that they're both sides of the same kernel and, and they're inseparable. They, they orbit each other like moons. You can't talk about one without talking about the other one. And, and, and that it got split, and I think uh, it's to the benefit of, of the people that split it because, really, you and I and probably everybody listening to this show, and if we went and, and, and into the homes of people who look very little like us and speak very little like us, 
and dress very little like us, we would still find that in most ways we're all alike and think the same way. And 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 the, the only people that it's the people who are in the media and drawing our attention that make us think that being a liberal or a conservative means being so different from each other. Well, like Rosie O'Donnell, you know. I, I mean, talk are about there liberals like. <laughs> well, yeah, are there are there liberals like Rosie O'Donnell? You're darn right, there are. You know, a couple of them got me kicked off of one of my essay library sites, you know, for saying something about Hillary. Uh, that, that wasn't complimentary. And, and, and now I've been contributing to that site for 16 years, and suddenly I'm kicked off because I say something negative about Hillary because a couple of rich people who are, were just basically, uh, well, I'm just not going to go into all that, but, but the, the, the point being this. And you can't is, be yeah, talking sure. bad about Miss Urine, Cabbage, and Farts. Well, I can, and I am, <laughs> and, and, and I might add a few other things about her too that aren't well, complimentary. That, that's what I, John Podesta said she smelled like. So uh, I'll take well, his word for it. He's a lot closer to it than I've ever been. Yeah, and, and a lot closer to her than I'll ever get. But 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 don't. But, but the thing is, is the thing is, is that uh, I can't think of who has said this. It's some, you know, everything great's been said, but. Uh, they said arrogance detracts from intelligence. Now, most of the liberal people that we're talking about are rich, and um, and 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 they're arrogant, and so they're not very smart. And 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 they so they put their own ideas forward and say, "I claim to be a liberal, therefore this is part of the liberal manifesto." You know, I'm I'm Bruce Jenner, so I get to say what it is to be liberal. <laughs> and and it's the same way with conservatives. You know, you see that John Cornyn. You know, he, he, he's, he's a, well, I better not say that. I live in his state. Um, John but, Corny Corner. But, we, we love John Corny Corner down here. He's a, Now, there's a liberal's liberal for you. That guy's a, no, he's not he's a liberal. <laughs> he's a conservative. He, there's he, nothing conservative about John Cornyn. <laughs> Do not foist Cornyn, Cornyn onto me or my party, please. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Oh, I, I would shoot that guy if I met him in a bar. I mean, I just, yeah, he's terrible. He's awful. And he's rich. And, 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 to think that, and to think that I wrote him a big check to get him started, I'm so, I'm so ashamed. Well, we've got uh, we got about uh, two minutes here, uh, Tio. I've enjoyed this uh, so far. I, obviously, we're going to have to have another conversation. But uh, is there anything else you wanted to hit before we get out of here today? Well, I don't know if it's okay to say this or not, but you know Bill the Butcher. I just happen to know Bill the Butcher. Yes, I do. Okay. Well, uh, he and I have been co-producing uh, 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 a series of articles that, that, that goes straight to the point we are just talking about, and that is – liberalism versus uh, conservatism. And um, uh, I, I would like it if, if, if you would, from time to time, read those and send me uh, on Facebook or in Messenger or, or, or email me some response about that, because you are by far the sharpest opponent that I have had. We managed to, we managed to somehow avoid all that meatball bashing and get straight to you know the the sharp the, the sharp tip of these issues, and, I, and that was due to you. You you know, you've got a great interview, style. I want to say again. Well, thank you very much for your kindness. I do appreciate it. I uh, but you know we have an intelligence audience that listens to this show, and 
and I try to get right to the point whenever possible because it's not interesting if you get, if you got to mess around and, and beat around the bush. You you got to get down to substantive issues, and uh, I I would say it's nice to talk to a professed liberal who is intelligent and articulate and can disagree without being disagreeable. That's how we solve problems when we talk uh, uh, to each other instead of around each other. Well, if you think I'm the kind of guy who's going to be disagreeable with a guy that, that, that is helping me expand my web presence, you don't know anything about me at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do what we can to get the word out there. But I want to make people think, and I, I appreciate you calling in today. I, I have enjoyed our conversation, and uh, we will do it again. And, of course, Thank uh, you, sir. Our, our mutual friend uh, Wilbur Witt will also be on my show every Friday in the 2 o'clock hour. And I'd advise you to never miss that because it's always going to be good. I will do that. Plus, I look forward to your next hour. All right. Very good. Next hour, we're going to talk Donald Trump. Uh, I'm going to cut up the speech he gave today to the Republicans. We're going to get to the salient points, and we'll have your phone calls at 1-800-932-1980 on the Doc Green Show. Going to be right back after this. Take it away, Frank. yourself and your family. You've purchased the gun, the ammunition, the training, and even secured a license to carry in your state. You know the Constitution and don't believe you should have to pay for a right that you already have as written in the Second Amendment, but you are law-abiding. Now you are considering the legal defense options you should have if you ever have to use a firearm. Self-Defense Fund is a comprehensive litigation membership backing you on appeals, legal expenses, court costs, and more, up to $1 million per incident and unlimited attorney costs per member. Discover selfdefensefund.com for yourself. Any weapon, any state, any time. Hello, I'm Gary Wilcox with Pet Floors of Houston. We specialize in luxury vinyl tile installations for your home or your office. We sell a high-performance floor that is perfect for anyone who has dogs or cats or is trying to get a floor that just looks beautiful without nearly the maintenance that other floors have. It's a heavy-duty commercial PVC product. It looks like wood or stone or tile. This is a floor choice that you find major retailers have in their stores or intimate cafe or even your fast food restaurants. The adhesive that we use is waterproof. The product is waterproof, and so therefore, you can use a bleach water solution, clean it right up, and you're back to normal. It doesn't hold any odor, it's realistic, it's hygienic, it's affordable, and there's no click, click, click noise on it when you walk on this floor. It's just amazing. We've been in this house for about eight years, and we've had some hardwood floors down, and it was really one of those things where they were looking worn and need to be refinished, and we were really looking for an alternative. We found Gary with pet floors, and he came out and measured. The measurement process went very easily, and when it came installation time, they came out here, did a fine job. The installers were great. The service has been great ever since. I love my new floors. They're great, extremely durable, and they just look beautiful. 
from a cleaning standpoint, from an overall care standpoint, you don't even have to think about what you're doing. It's, it's, there's no special care. It's, it's really nice. Actually, have a mobile showroom so I can come out to your home or offices at a time that's convenient for you and I can show you the samples that would look right in your home I can even help you make decisions and coach you through this it's not like I've done this one or two times but I've done it many many times so give me a phone call and I'm happy to come out there I do estimates for you right there on the spot and it's all free of charge that that floor of Houston Floors.com. TV and radio are great mediums for mass instruction, but for those times when you just want to hold something in your hands, there is the damn good times. I still love the newspaper, but I'm tired of the liberal bias. That's why I reach for the damn good times. Always full of interesting stories and great information, and you can have it delivered to your doorstep by calling 281-332-5710 or sending an email to news at the damn good times.com. Just $50 a year will get a full subscription. It's a great gift for all the patriots you know. Do it now. The doctor is in. The doctor is in, and uh, one of the things that I do for you here is I try to make things concise. Certainly enjoyed having that chat with Teal, and uh, he may not be as liberal as he thinks he is, but... But we're going to continue that conversation another time. What I wanted to do is I wanted to get with you today, and I wanted to talk about what Donald Trump said. Uh, This is a man of our times, and we have to discuss uh, what he is saying to the people and its relevance. So I'm going to get started with this speech today to the Republicans. Um, Apparently, uh, I'll have to call him back here in a second. But that's what I wanted to get to today. And uh, so we're going to do that first first clip right here.
here to play all that music for you guys. I really am. And I know you hated it. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, uh, I had other events going on here. So Donald Trump, he's coming out and he's saying it's about time. If we're going to build a pipeline here in the United States, why are we using pipe that's coming from freaking China? Well, we're not going to do that anymore. No, thank you, thank you, Donald Trump, for coming through and making the point that if we're going to do an American pipeline, we should be using American pipe. And that is exactly what Donald Trump just said. And as I mentioned, next week, I'm going to have the CEO of a uh, an American pipeline company. He's going to be on my show, and he's going to talk about some of these things Donald Trump is saying. But... Uh, one of the things Donald Trump said is that um, the quality is going to go way up. And because the quality is going to go up, then the cost is actually going to go down. We're not going to have leak problems. not going to have to deal with all the stuff we've been dealing with. So anyway, moving on to clip number two. Uh, I think we're moving on to clip number two. Try it one more time. Yeah, here we go. Policy to ensure taxpayer dollars do not fund abortion services overseas. And of course, that's long overdue. Uh, the whole idea, we as Republicans are supposed to be a pro-life party. This is one of the things that the Republican uh, intelligentsia, the Republican old guard, the establishment Republican, has feared for a long time, that we would get a man like Donald Trump in there, a guy that they said was a liberal, a guy they said that wasn't a Christian, uh, a guy that would come in there and say, hey, I'm sick and tired of this abortion business, and I know I can stop abortion overseas, at least uh, with taxpayer dollars. I can stop that now, today, and that's what we did. And uh, once again, we love Donald Trump for doing the stuff that he does. Executive orders to remove wasteful regulations that slow down commerce and delay infrastructure, which we desperately need. The very beginning of a massive effort to reduce the crushing regulations on our economy, and we are going to reduce regulations big time. Once again, we had a very healthy uh, oil. Uh, business down here in Texas and up in North Dakota, and they've been essentially shut down by the EPA. We've got an oil field out in West Texas, uh, for example, that uh, they they can only operate during certain hours because of some freaking prairie chicken that's out there. And they said, no, 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 no. If you operate beyond these hours, you'll interfere with the prairie chicken's life, and then the prairie chicken won't procreate, and then we'll be out of prairie chickens. Keeping in mind, these prairie chickens are so prevalent that in uh, our, the neighboring state, there's a season on them because they've got so many of these freaking prairie chickens, and we're calling an endangered species and shutting down oil drilling out in West Texas. Enough of that garbage. Also withdrawn from the Trans-Pacific Partnership, paving the way for new one-on-one -on -one trade deals that protect and defend the American worker. And believe me, we're going to have a lot of trade deals. Mitch, don't worry about it. There won't be a whole big mash pot. There'll be one-on-one -on -one deals, and 
And if that particular country doesn't treat us fairly, we send them a 30-day termination. Notice of termination. And then they'll come and say, please don't do that, and we'll negotiate a better deal during that 30-day period. The other way, you can't get out of it. It's like quicksand. Plus, we're going to have very, very strong controls over monetary manipulation and devaluation, which they didn't have in TPP. So this could be so much better, and we're already on it. I would like to have my Commerce Secretary, Wilbur, approved, uh, because I hear he did fantastically well, but they're not quick with the pen on signing these people, because we'd like to have him approved as soon as possible. So I know Mitch says it will be done, and it will be. Uh, they could move faster on the other side, I will say that. <laughs> yeah, well, he's given a speech. He's got Mitch McConnell on his right hand. He's got Paul Ryan on his left hand. This is a great time. I mean, this is a Republican retreat is what it is up in Philadelphia. Now, why they retreated to Philadelphia, I don't know. Because in the city of brotherly love, they're killing people up there. But nonetheless, that's where they are today, and that's what's going on. And, yeah, he said, could you just get my trade secretary approved? I could really use him. So uh, we're loving this. We're loving the fact that uh, Donald Trump is doing great things. He's getting this move forward. He's making it easier for Americans and American businesses to operate, to make money, to provide goods and services for the people of America. And this is absolutely incredible uh, what's going on here. With the prime minister. the first steps in our immigration plan, ordering the immediate construction of the border wall, putting an end to catch and release, expediting the removal of criminal air, and this is so important to me, from day one I've said it, and I mean the immediate removal of criminal aliens, they're going to be gone fast. And finally, at long last, cracking down on Sanctuary cities. It's time to restore the civil rights of Americans to protect their jobs, their hopes, and their dreams for a much better future. Congress passed these laws to serve our citizens, and it's about time those laws were properly enforced. They're not enforced. Justice for the American worker has arrived. Border security is a serious, serious national issue and problem. A lack of security poses a substantial threat to the sovereignty and safety of the United States of America and its citizens. Most illegal immigration is coming from our southern border. I've said many times that the American people will not pay for the wall. And I've made that clear to the government of Mexico. NAFTA has been a terrible deal, a total disaster for the United States from its inception, costing us as much as $60 billion a year with Mexico alone in trade deficits. You say, who, who negotiates these deals? Not to mention millions of jobs and thousands and thousands of factories and plants closing down all over our country. On top of that are the trillions of dollars 
the U.S. taxpayers have spent to pay the cost of illegal immigration. Much of it has then been sent back, and much of it goes back to other countries. And oftentimes, because they don't respect us, the other countries will not accept the criminals that we send back to them that are illegally in our country. I promise you they will start accepting them. Once again, Donald Trump saying things that absolutely need to be said. For the first time in a long time, we've got a president that recognizes the situation we're in. I, I was at a client's house this morning, and I walked in, and, and I, they were Republicans. But I walked in and asked me how I was doing. I said, I can't stop smiling. And they both started laughing because they knew exactly what I was talking about. I mean, this is an amazing time in America. We put in place the first steps in our immigration plan, ordering the immediate construction of the border wall, putting an end to catch and release. Immediate construction of the border wall. How many times have all of the naysayers, all of the CNN fake newsers, uh, how many times they said, oh, it ain't going to be a wall. It's going to be more like a... Maybe a fence, probably something electronic, probably something. I heard some jerk off last night on the news. It'll be more of a symbolic thing. It won't be a, a real wall. Walls don't work. Oh, yeah? What about Israel? What about China? Do their wa- does their wall work? I think their wall works. What do you think? Of course walls work. And, yes, can you get over a wall? Sure you can. But you can't get over a wall successfully if, A, we're hiring thousands of Border Patrol agents for the first time in freaking ever. I don't know that he's going to implement the Doc Green plan, uh, but we're hoping that he will. The Doc Green plan says not only do we implement the border wall, but we put a machine gun nest every quarter of a mile with a 50 caliber fully automatic machine gun with infrared sighting capability. And we just simply tell everybody down south of our border, if you break in, You're not going to make it over the wall. We will kill you. If you want to come to the United States, go to our embassy and apply. Yeah, do that. And if uh, maybe you live in a border town and you want to work in America and you've got the proper visa and and all of that sort of thing, uh, then you come up and you go through the gate like everybody else every morning. You come in, you work, then you go back to Mexico. Personally, I would like to see Donald Trump put a moratorium on all immigration until we've got our American people re-employed. So uh, let's pick up where we left off on that. Expediting the removal of criminal air, and this is so important to me, from day one I've said it, and I mean the immediate removal of criminal aliens. They're going to be gone fast. It's about damn time. Donald Trump, and I I tried to get somebody from the Remembrance Project on the show today. I could not do it because they're working with Donald Trump right now. But the Remembrance Project, Maria Espinoza, the leader of that, uh, Pedro, uh, also my friend, uh, and he works with that. These guys have been working tirelessly. The Remembrance Project, they've got this huge quilt where they've got pictures of all of, as Donald Trump put it, beautiful American children that were killed by illegal aliens. Kate Steinle out in San Francisco 
killed by an illegal alien that had a long criminal record and had been deported five times. The mayor of San Francisco should be shot and killed because he is responsible for this garbage. The mayor of San Francisco could have prevented that. But these guys wanted to have a sanctuary city where all illegal aliens could break into our country and take advantage of the American people. Well, guess what? Donald Trump said, no, we're, we're not only going to get rid of you, we're going to get rid of you fast. And finally, at long last, cracking down on sanctuary cities. Yeah. Time to restore the civil rights of Americans to protect their jobs, their hopes, and their dreams for a much better future. True. Congress passed these laws to serve our citizens, and it's about time those laws were properly enforced. They're not enforced. The hour of justice for the American worker has arrived. Yes. Border security is a serious, serious national issue and problem. A lack of security poses a substantial threat to the sovereignty and safety of the United States of America and its citizens. Most illegal immigration is coming from our southern border. Here, here, 10,000 a week. Times that the American people will not pay for the wall. And I've made that clear to the government of Mexico. NAFTA has been a terrible deal, a total disaster for the United States from its yes. inception, costing us as much as $60 billion a year with Mexico alone in trade deficits. You say, who, who negotiates these deals? Who negotiates these deals? millions of jobs and thousands and thousands of factories and plants. Don't forget Ron Paul, when he was running for president, said it's a giant sucking sound, sucking American jobs away. And that's exactly what it was. Ron Paul was right. Closing down all over our country. On top of that are the trillions of dollars the U.S. taxpayers have spent to pay the cost of illegal immigration. Much of it has then been sent back, and much of it goes back to other countries. And oftentimes, because they don't respect us, the other countries will not accept the criminals that we send back to them that are illegally in our country. I promise you they will start accepting them. Yes, they're going to start taking them back. We're not going to put up with this crap anymore. It is about respect. And everybody out there has been watching as the United States has been utterly disrespected by these other countries because we had a man in the White House that was a Muslim, a man in the White House that because he was raised in Muslim countries had no American values, a man in the White House that the only God he worshipped was the one he saw in the mirror every time he walked down the hall. That is what we had going here in America. Well, guess what? Those days, my friend, are over. All right, we're going to hit this break. We're going to pick it up with some more Donald Trump right after this.
message from Vita Scientific. If you have high blood sugar or type 2 diabetes, these are serious medical issues that require immediate attention. Did you know that it's possible to actually reverse high blood sugar and diabetes by using simple, natural products proven to balance your blood sugar? It's time to do what I did. Take control of your life. Vita Scientific's clinically tested formula will help you to feel healthy and energetic. These breakthrough supplements, along with small changes in your diet and exercise plan, may be the answer you've been looking for to set you on the path to optimal health. These products will not interfere with your current medical treatments, so start getting excited about feeling great again. Please visit VitaScientific.com or call Vita Scientific at 210-520-8432. That's 210-520-8432 to learn more. Tell them Doc Green sent you and get 50% off your first order. Call now. You just defended yourself with a gun. There were multiple assailants, and you were really concerned about your legal jeopardy and the resulting media coverage. Was deadly force justified? In your town, the politics of self-defense is not favorable, but at least you're alive and your family is protected. Fortunately, you have Self-Defense Fund, a comprehensive litigation membership backing you on appeals, legal expenses, court costs, and more, up to $1 million per incident and unlimited attorney cost per member. Discover selfdefensefund.com for yourself. Any weapon, any state, Anytime. Maintaining your home air conditioner is just as important as maintenance on your car. You don't know the big difference there's going to be until you've had the work done. I thought my system was working fine, but now it's better than ever. Galen Beatty did it for me, and he'll do it for you. Good servicing will not only keep your system performing well during the sweltering summers here in Houston, but it will save you money year after year. In my case, it cut my AC power consumption by 20%. Do what I did. Have Galen Beatty set up regular AC maintenance to cut your energy bill and prevent system failure at the worst time. Time. And what's better than being comfortable and saving money? Whether you need a basic tune-up or it's time to put in a new super-efficient system, you should call BDAC, 281-222-9591. That's 281-222-9591 to schedule an AC system tune-up. BDAC and Heat. That's B-E-E-A-C and Heat.com. BDAC and Heat.com. Smoke Depot wishes you well. Locally owned and operated, we have all sorts of tobacco products. Come take advantage of our sale on vapor products up to 50% off. Thanks for listening to us on the Dot Green Show on ABRN, RER, Facebook, or YouTube. We are located at 1639 West Highway 290 in Fredericksburg. Like us on Facebook, Tejas Smoke Depot in Fredericksburg, Texas. Oh, yeah, the doctor is back. Sorry, I had to take a quick break there. Uh, Frank, you just need to watch me on YouTube, and then you'll know when I'm when I'm stepping out for a second. So, anyway, let's pick up with the Donald Trump uh, speech from today. Also withdrawn from the Trans-Pacific Partnership, paving the way 
for new one-on-one -on -one trade deals that protect and defend the American worker. And believe me, we're going to have a lot of trade deals. Mitch, don't worry about it. <laughs> but they'll be one-on-one. -on -one. There won't be a whole big mash pot. There'll be one-on-one -on -one deals. And if that particular country doesn't treat us fairly, we send them a 30-day termination. Notice of termination. And then they'll come and say, please don't do that, and we'll negotiate a better deal during that 30-day period. The other way, you can't get out of it. It's like quicksand. Plus, we're going to have very, very strong controls over monetary manipulation and devaluation, which they didn't have in TPP. So this could be so much better, and we're already on it. I would like to have my Commerce Secretary. Will yeah, so the TTP uh, deal, Trans-Pacific uh, Trade Partnership, whatever that was, it was a stupid idea. It allowed uh, China to basically utterly uh, manipulate us and do whatever they wanted us to do. It enabled them to sell their goods and services over here below cost and uh, undermine American manufacturing. Well, that's just not acceptable, is it? And under Donald Trump, it's not going to happen anymore. We're going to fix that problem. We're going to fix that problem, and it's about time that we did. I am excited about what is going on uh, in this particular case. So, um, so anyway, that's that's what we got going on. So, uh, moving right along here, let me get back to that. And with you in Congress to keep our country safe from the many threats we face today. That includes protecting Americans from radical Islamic terrorism. How huge is that statement? I mean, seriously, how, how huge is that statement that uh, all of a sudden we've got a president that recognizes what we're dealing with here and is actually calling it out and saying, uh, no, we're not, gonna, we're not gonna accept this anymore. We are going to expect that our government protects us. So I don't know about you guys, but that, that just made my heart glad to see, to see that, uh, that statement being made. Radical Islamic terror. So let's see here. I've got several uh, clips here I wanted to get to. And, I mean, i got a bunch of them here. There's one, there's two, there's three, there's four, there's, let's try five. Tomorrow, as you know, Great Britain. So I'm meeting with it tomorrow. I don't have my Commerce Secretary. They want to talk trade. So I'll have to handle it myself. <laughs> Which is okay. Yeah, he's uh, meeting tomorrow with uh, uh, the British Prime Minister, and they're going to have to talk trade. But once again, because the Democrats in the Senate are dragging their feet, He's going to have to go in there and talk trade. And he said, I'm going to have to handle it myself, but that's okay. Yeah, because guess what? Donald Trump can negotiate a deal, something that nobody else has been able to do. And it's about time that we start negotiating deals with our friends instead of people that hate us like China. With the prime minister. We put in place the first steps in our immigration plan, ordering the immediate construction of the border wall putting an end to catch and release, expediting the removal of criminal air, and this is so important to me, from day one I've said it, and I mean the immediate removal of criminal aliens 
Billy Gone fast. And finally, at long last, cracking down on sanctuary cities. I will not allow the taxpayers or the citizens of the United States to pay the cost of this defective transaction, NAFTA. NAFTA, a bad deal for America. And it should be done away with. It needed to be done away with a long time ago. Let me tell you some of the things that I know that NAFTA has done. NAFTA has done a lot of damage to the American trucking system. NAFTA has killed a lot of people. Uh, Remember all those bus fires that we ran into? That was all a direct result of NAFTA because we had foreign-owned bus lines with illegal aliens driving them. I know that didn't make the news, but that was the case in many of those. And so, consequently, American safety standards weren't being observed by these guys. We ended up with people dead, burned to death in these buses that don't have to hit these safety standards. Same thing with trucks. It used to be if something was coming from south of the border, it had to go to a warehouse on the border of the United States uh, over there in uh, Nuevo Laredo or someplace like that, and uh, it will be offloaded there. There it will be picked up by American trucks with American truck drivers and driven to wherever it needed to go. Buses, the same thing. Uh, if you had a tour bus from Mexico, it had to come up here and it had to drop off their passengers, put them on an American bus for the American part of that tour. All gone with NAFTA. And consequently, we've got Mexican trucks, Mexican buses, Mexican truck drivers, Mexican bus drivers driving around America that should not be here. I will not allow the taxpayers or the citizens of the United States to pay the cost of this defective transaction, NAFTA. Yes. One that should have been renegotiated many years ago, except that the politicians were too preoccupied to do so. Now, these people are not in that category. You understand that this is a different group. Talking about locals there. I think. (laughs) To that end, the president of Mexico and myself have agreed to cancel our planned meeting scheduled for next week. Unless Mexico is going to treat the United States fairly, with respect, such a meeting would be fruitless, and I want to go a different route. We have no choice. Paul Ryan and other leaders in Congress, and I, and Mike Pence, who, by the way, how good a choice was Vice President Mike Pence. Everybody loves him. So you've already heard that uh, the the Mexican deal, uh, the Mexican president said, no, we're not going to have that meeting. Uh, This was a mutual discussion, and Donald Trump basically said, hey, you know, if you're going to come up here and you're not going to treat America like America deserves to be treated, we got nothing to talk about, my friend. He said, we'll just go ahead and get the wall built, and you're going to pay for it. We could talk to you about how you're going to pay for it. We can make it nice for you to pay for it, but you're going to pay for it. And if you're not going to come up here and talk to me, then uh, I'll make all of those decisions for you, and you will have to live with them. You see, the United States is— the 500-pound gorilla. And the problem is that we've had a president that's been uh, feeding our gorilla tranquilized uh, cookies, uh, injecting him with sleep aids. Uh, Barack Obama did everything to destroy our 500-pound gorilla, to put it to sleep, and to allow, uh, like, uh, 
the other nations coming upon uh, Samson, like the Philistines coming upon Samson, uh, to tie him down and destroy the power of our 500-pound gorilla. Well, guess what? The 500-pound gorilla is back, my friends. And he's back in the persons of Donald Trump. Love that applause from a bunch of Republicans for this president? I do. You know, there are a bunch of people out there carrying signs of protesting, and they're saying America was built on immigrants. Yes, America was built on immigrants. America was built on immigrants that came here to be immigrants, not the conquistadors. So when I went into my bank the other day, I complained to them. I said, what are you guys doing aiding uh, the conquest? If these people are Americans, they come here to be Americans. By God, they'll speak English. The immigrants used to come to this country, the Italians, the Irish. Uh, they'd come here, and they would forbid their native language to be spoken in their homes. You're saying, well, Irish, Irishmen speak English. Well, they spoke a form of English, but Gaelic was their natural uh, language, and it is different from English. They came here, and they spoke English. They determined that they were going to be Americans. They didn't want to be foreigners. I don't care who you are. I don't care what color your skin is. I don't care what, what color or what kind of sex you are, male or female. If you came here to be an American and you've got something to bring to the table, you are welcome, my friend. And we will speak English here in America. Now, when I go to Mexico, you habla espanol. I don't expect the Mexican merchants to speak English. A lot of them do, but I don't expect them to. And if Mexicans come here to the United States, I expect them to speak English, conduct their, their business in English. That's why if you go to India, even though they speak a number of dialects in India, uh, English is the national language of India because they understood you've got to have a common language if you want anything good to happen. Tax reform bill that will reduce our trade deficits, increase American exports, and will generate revenue from Mexico that will pay for the wall if we decide to go that route. It is time that the American people had a president fighting as hard for its citizens as other countries do for theirs. Yes. And that's exactly what I'm going to do for you. Here, here. It's about time that we had an American president that's going to fight for Americans. See, we haven't had that in the longest time, have we? No, we've had an American president that was fighting for everybody else, mostly for Islam. He was not supporting you. That's why a lot of people admire Putin, because we always understood who Putin was. Putin was a Russian. He's going to do what's good for Russia, and I respect that. What I didn't respect was that my own president was more likely to do what was good for Russia than he was to do what was good for America. Don't forget, uh, Barack and St. Obama, the Muslim bastard in the White House, do not forget that Barack and St. Obama told Russia while he was off camera, they said, as soon as I get reelected, I'll be able to do more for you guys. Yeah. Where did that go in the press? You'd think you'd be hearing that all the time, wouldn't you? Certainly during the election, you would have thought. What wasn't went away, disappeared. 
my first day in office, I signed an executive order to roll back the burdens of Obamacare and pave the way for real reform, like health savings accounts that empower individuals to choose the customized plan that is truly right for them. That has so many choices. Tom Price will soon be leading health and human services. He is a true advocate for patients. He's going to do a phenomenal job. We have no doubt about that. He joins an all-star roster that includes many of your colleagues, Ryan Zinke, Mick Mulvaney. These guys have had a pretty tough time in Congress, too, but they, uh, in, in the Senate, but actually came out very well. Mike Pompeo, is Mike here? Mike? Mike Pompeo, phenomenal guy, and Jeff Sessions. Jeff is a fine person. Jeff was one of my earliest endorsers and never endorsed a presidential candidate before. He was one of my earliest endorsers, respected by everybody, and did unbelievably in front of the committee. Unbelievable. Indeed. Oh, and this just in uh, from uh, Lieutenant Dan's office. Uh, they're asking me if I can uh, have Lieutenant Dan on Thursday, February the 2nd, live, and I just told them, yes, yes, let's get Lieutenant Dan on here, a man that I was instrumental in helping to get elected the first time. We'd like to see what he's got to say about some of this stuff. Now back to Donald Trump. Okay, we're going to pursue new trade deals that create higher wages and more opportunities for American workers, bringing back those magnificent words, made in the USA. We used to have that, we don't have it anymore. It's going to be America first again. We will create millions of new good-paying jobs by removing the economic burdens that cripple our ability to compete. At the center of that agenda is bold tax reform that massively lowers taxes for our middle class and for all American businesses. We will also pursue financial reform that will help striving Americans get the credit they need to realize their dreams. Republicans have always been the party of American industry and the American worker. We must embrace that heritage, rebuilding this country with American goods and American labor. And we've started, believe me, over the last couple of months. I don't know, I, I'd like to say I did about as much as anybody or more in terms of getting industry to start coming back to our country before I took office. But we have a lot of great news with Ford and General Motors and Fiat Chrysler and so many others. We have a lot of great news. Lockheed is adding a lot of different people, a lot of additional people, Boeing. Uh, we have a lot of positive things happening and it's really going to start bursting out. You're going to be seeing it very soon. We want to get our people off of welfare and back to work. So. Yes, we want to get our people off of welfare and back to work. See, this has been one of the problems. Our welfare system is too generous. It's way too generous. You can be on freaking welfare for like two years. Uh, what problem is that going to create? Well, it creates a lot of problems. It's too generous. And the other thing is unemployment insurance. Unemployment insurance should be something that you buy privately. When you enter the workforce, you should buy an insurance policy against you becoming unemployed. And that insurance policy premium should vary as according to your skill level, your experience. Maybe if you're brand new, your grades, 
and uh, then you pay that insurance policy accordingly. And if you go in there and you choose the job and you quit, uh, then maybe your private insurance policy only pays for uh, two weeks or something like that because you quit. Uh, I don't know. But what's what we're doing now is not working. Paying people to stay out of work, paying people to stay home instead of going to work is not good. I've told a story here before, but I'm going to tell it again of uh, one particular lady. Uh, she had been working. She lost her job, and she uh, got offered another job, but the job didn't pay you know, that well, and so she didn't want it. And she told her friend, said, look, yeah, I've got offers to go to work, but truth is right now I'm getting enough from unemployment to get by, and I'm enjoying spending time at home with my children. So she was making enough to get by. She was happy. She could pay her Netflix bill. She could pay her DirecTV bill. And she got to stay home with her kids. Why go to work? This is the problem we have in America. And Donald Trump is addressing that. He understands it's a problem. that if we don't fix it, it's going to destroy us. Gotta love this guy. I do, I do. We will rebuild our military and take care of our great veterans. Yes. Rebuild the military, take care of the veterans. I was telling my uh, my friend this morning, he's a uh, former Army captain, helicopter pilot, got, uh, got injured in a helicopter crash, so he's on disability to a certain degree. And I was telling him, I said, yeah, I can't go to the uh, hospital anymore. Both he and his wife are sitting there. They were incredulous. How is it that you, we know you're a Vietnam-era veteran. How is it that you can't go to the VA hospital? And I said, well, it was just simple. They absolutely will not let me go there. Said I have to go on Obamacare. I could, I could go to the VA hospital if A, I was destitute. In other words, I didn't make a living, didn't have a job. In fact, the 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 uh, black girl behind the counter, God love her. I mean, she felt bad. Sending me away. She said, "Look, just fill out this form again. We'll throw this one away. Fill out this form again and say that you don't make any money. We'll get you in." And I said, well, "Wait a minute. I'm not a Democrat." If I do that, I go to Leavenworth. Hillary Clinton, of course, that's a job or resume enhancement to lie about something like that. But, And, of course, you can still find it. It's out there on YouTube. Uh, let me see. What was the heading? Uh, American veteran Doc Green <laughs> uh, takes it to Chelsea Clinton or something like that. I don't know who put it up, but it's fabulous. They did a great cut-and-paste job on that of my uh, chat with Chelsea Clinton and I'd, I'd urge you guys to find it. Uh, look for Doc Green. You'll find it up there. Doc Green Vet, I think, will we'll take you right to it. And, and I don't know who did it, but thank you for doing it. It was fabulous. And uh, I don't mind that you borrowed some of my video to put in there. It was great. I enjoyed it. And I'm glad that word got out. But we got to start taking care of our veterans. We've got to rebuild our military. Right now, you want to know why we got in a war with, uh, with Japan and Germany in World War II? It's because Japan looked at our military and said, these guys are pathetic. If we take out their fleet, they're done. We can beat them. It'll be easy. That's why they, they went after us. Do you remember that great uh, movie, that great American documentary, The Karate Kid, Mr. Miyagi? Yes. Uh, what, what did he say? He said, we don't learn karate so we can fight. We learn karate so that we don't have to fight. Peace through strength. Ronald Reagan said, and that's exactly it, because, well, in another case, Spider-Man, you know, the bully in the school that nobody wanted to take on. Why? 
Well, because he was bigger and badder than everybody else. And, and Spider-Man said to him, I don't want to fight you. And he said, I wouldn't want to fight me either. <laughs> you see what I mean? He's through strength. Now, what he didn't recognize was that Spider-Man had a secret weapon. And Spider-Man could beat his ass and indeed did. But this is why we have to have strength. This is why we have to have the best weapons. This is why I pray to God that all of the weapons that I know we have are not all the weapons that we have. I pray to God that we still got some secrets left. Though with Barack and St. Obama uh, foolishly elected through stupidity, we may not have any of those weapons. We may no longer have the edge. More Donald Trump. Unleash the full power of American energy, ending the job-killing restrictions on shale, oil, natural gas, and clean, beautiful coal. And we're going to put our coal miners back to work. That's good news for your coal miner's daughter, by the way. <laughs> little tip of the hat there. Uh, no, it's time that we do this. Coal is wonderful. Coal is clean. We have all of this energy. It's cheap. We should never again, and by golly, I have hope now with Donald Trump as president. We should never again buy another drop of Muslim oil. Let the Muslims sell their oil to somebody else, but we should quit buying it here in the United States. And, of course, uh, once again, uh, Frank has shined in said, any nation that turns its back on God, no matter how strong they think they are, is going to be laid to waste. And yes, we won World War II because God helped us. China, um, or not China, Japan was ineffectual because Japan, they believed their emperor was God. Well, you know, if you're going to call yourself God, God may have something to say about it. Yeshua may jump in there and say, you know what, you think you're God? Let me show you a little something. <laughs> and that's what happened. Japan lost that war. They were incapable of winning with the United States being what we are. The largest cities. In the last year alone, the murder rate has increased by an estimated 14%. Here in Philadelphia, the murder rate has been steady, I mean, just terribly increasing. And then you look at Chicago. What's going on in Chicago? I said the other day, what the hell is going on? Democrats. <laughs> Democrats. That's what's going on in Chicago. That is why we will continue to stand with the incredible men and women of law enforcement. Yes. We must have law enforcement. We must stand with law enforcement. And I do. And, of course, the other part of that is uh, our little conversation with T.O. earlier. Every man should be armed to his capability, no restrictions. We need to repeal the National Firearms Act. And with you in Congress to keep our country safe from the many threats we face today, that includes protecting Americans from radical Islamic terrorism. There you have it. We've got to get Islam out of America. If we don't get Islam out of America, we cannot survive. It is absolutely essential that we get Islam out of America. So anyway, those are the salient bits of Donald Trump's speech today. I wanted to bring that to you to save you the trouble of having to listen to the whole thing. 
because I know you guys are busy. And I appreciate the fact that you take time to be here. And, of course, uh, Frank also saliently pointed out law enforcement must be held accountable for their actions. Yes, they must be held accountable for their actions. Um, Like I said, 20% of the cops out there are the salt of the earth, the people you would trust your wife, your daughter to be left in the custody of. 20% of them out there are amazing individuals, better than the average man. And then, unfortunately, there are 20% of those cops out there that are just the scum of the earth. They're criminals with a badge. There's no getting around it. And then somewhere that would take the the 20% of the best, 20% of the worst, what do you have left? 60% of the guys that are just there to get a paycheck. That's the end of the Doc Green Show today, guys. Thanks for being a part of it. See you tomorrow. religious and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it. Nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now.
afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Melody Cedarstrom, and you're listening to Financial Survival. My co-hosts, Alfred Addisk and James Corbett of the Corbett Reports, will be here after the first segment of today's program. I'm going to get started right away. There is a lot to report on today. And first, we will do the market report for Thursday, January 26, 2017. So we did have some pressure on gold today. And let me get some final numbers for the New York spot price for gold after market trading uh, down 10.90 at $1,191. You have silver down 23 cents today at 16.85. Platinum was down two at 981. Palladium was down six at 728. So they didn't uh, hammer palladium like they did yesterday, but still a almost a 1% decline on top of that uh, big drop yesterday. The USDX today should be stronger, 0.54 at 100.47. Big day in crude oil today, 1.09 at 53.84. I expect you're going to see crude oil continue to rise. doesn't matter what Saudis do anymore. Uh, they can cut back all they want. But uh, I think you're certainly going to see higher crude oil crude prices uh um, continue. And let's get to the paper markets today. We have the Dow up 32 points, 20,100. The NASDAQ was down 1.16, 5,655. And the S&P was down just barely one at 22.96. 10-year yield, 2.51%, up a little bit from yesterday. And the euro... <laughs> is still holding at 1.07. Before I go into a couple, I mean, 20 minutes doesn't give me a whole lot of time to get deep into something, so I basically report on some news things. And there's a couple of good good things that happened today, interesting things that happened today, and then I never get to my special. So I'm going to start off with the special today because it's a great special. Um and I have to pat myself on the back for this one. There's nowhere in the whole United States will you be able to locate this coin for this price. And it is a mint state coin. It's a mint state 62, $20 St. Gaudens. And I'm going to sell it to you for the same price as a one-ounce American gold eagle, $1,263. That's right. Only $1,263. And I can't believe I'm actually offering that price. It's not wholesale. It is above wholesale. But what we experienced last week, if you remember, I was offering the Mint State 64 $20 gold pieces um, for, what, $1,398. That price is pretty much still the same. When we've had this drop in gold this week, the $20 Saints and Mint State 64 pretty much stayed the same. They didn't really drop yet. The drop came in the lower grades, and this is how I am able to offer you this price, $1,263, the same price as though you were buying a one one-ounce American Gold Eagle. So you basically you have a choice. If you want gold bullion coins, you want to buy one, fine, $1,263. If you do volumes, we can help you out on the price. Um, you can upgrade to a Mint State 62 $20 gold piece for the same price, 
$1,263. And with the St. Gaudens, it provides you with greater privacy, performance, and protection. Basically, you have no more risk than what you would have from a bullion coin. The $20 gold piece, the St. Gaudens, it does have a fraction less of gold, but it's minuscule compared to the advantages a mint state coin provides. So if you don't have any, this is you, if you are strictly a bullion buyer, this is the time to add something to your portfolio to diversify your portfolio. And if you've been buying $20 gold pieces all along, it's a great time to be adding to your portfolio at these prices. 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. There's a lot of things that happened. Uh, today you had the Senate uh, Republican leader, Mitch McConnell. Uh, this was sort of announced yesterday, but he did say today that Congress was moving ahead with building a wall at the U.S. border. It's really not new news. Uh, he's confirming what we already knew, and then it's going to cost about $12 billion to $15 billion. Eh, you can argue the price. Don't know until you get in there and really start buying it, until you start building it. McConnell and the House of Representatives Speaker Paul Ryan did not say how Congress would pay for the wall that President Donald Trump has vowed. Donald Trump has vowed to build. We anticipate a supplemental budget coming from the administration. The point is we're going to finance the Secure Fence Act. With that, because all we hear is Mexico is going to pay, and they are going to pay in some way. I mean, they're between a rock and a hard place, too. Um, I mean, they have no options, basically. Uh, so Mexico's president today scrapped a planned summit with Donald Trump in face of insistent tweets from the president demanding Mexico pay for the border wall. And, of course, we, we've, you know, they've just come out numerous times and said they weren't going to pay for it. Mr. Trump is uh, insistent that they are going to pay for it, maybe not today, but over a period of time, they will end up paying for it. Now, Mexico, again, scrapped the meeting with Mr. Trump. I think it was next week um, he was supposed to meet, maybe next Friday, if I recall. Um, but the White House did leave the door open um, for an upcoming, and they want to keep the lines of communication open, and open, and they're looking to reschedule the meeting. Uh, if Mexico is unwilling to pay for the badly needed wall, then it would be better to cancel the upcoming meeting. President Trump had tweeted this earlier today. And then shortly before 12 noon Eastern time, the Mexican president did exactly that. He tweeted, and who knows, these are tweets. <laughs> I mean, it's like, what, you can't pick up the telephone anymore? I mean, it's just like, but he did tweet this morning, we have informed the White House that I will not attend the scheduled work meeting for next Tuesday. That was next Tuesday with the president of the United States. Well, then the peso fell fast, going down as much as 1.4%. And, you know, since the election, the peso has been down, I believe, 13%. Now, it did recover some of its losses, but it was still remained down more than 1%. You know, that peso is currently worth about the same amount as the U.S. dollar, <laughs> just about 5 cents, maybe. It could be a little less than 5, but close to that five cents. But as I said earlier, Mexico, what options do they really have? And Mr. Trump knows that. 
mean, what can Mexico do? They are trapped. It's kind of like the United States and the American consumer. It's trapped by its debt that we owe. And eventually, we won't have many options either. So, um, you know, when you have 80% and as much, 80% of your trade with the United States, yeah, what do you, what do you, you know, if the United States starts pulling out and starts uh, doing trade elsewhere, um, you know, you're you're kind of beholden to that country. I think that country sort of owns you to some degree. Now we don't know if this is just fancy dance work in the beginning. You know, you know how, or you know, you know how animals sometimes when they fight, they just kind of, you know, stalk each other and they do their little dance and so forth. And uh, perhaps this is they're just uh, positioning themselves, learning about one another and so forth. But uh, uh, so we'll see what happens. But I do believe somewhere along the line, you bet Mexico will, you know, through 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 the trade, they will pay. Now there was discussions of perhaps taxing the remittances that Mexico sends, uh, um, that the people who work here sends their money back to Mexico. Um, they do send what? You can hear reports. All over the place. Just listening to the radio today, I heard anywhere from 20 billion to over 100 billion. Well, in 2012, it was 22 billion, and um, in 2004, it was the tenth largest source of foreign income after oil, industrial exports, manufactured goods, electronics, and so forth. Um, so it is a big portion. Uh, in 2014, it represented about 2% of the GDP. That's a lot of money, you know, that it can be tagged on to the GDP. Uh, the growth of remittances have more than doubled since 1997. And, again, these are older numbers, and it's hard to find really updated numbers on exactly um, what Mexico has. Now, there's a lot of other countries um you have um you have other countries that are also involved in these remittances back to their homelands but what i found interesting today after i was just doing some reading and so forth on these remittances the money transfer service moneygram is actually being bought by a financial service giant that's based in China. Now, MoneyGram is one of the leading companies that helps people in the United States send money to Mexico and other countries. And guess what country that, guess what company that it is related to? Alibaba. It is Ant, A-N-T Financial. It's a related company of Alibaba. Um, the, the global conglomerate that is backed by Chinese billionaire Jack Ma. He announced that today, that it was buying MoneyGram for $880 million. MoneyGram stock rose nearly 10% on the news. And the deal could be one of the first tests of, of, of Mr. Trump uh, about cracking down on these, money trans, on these money transfers going to Mexico. Um, he has considered levying big taxes or even halting these remittances to Mexico if the country would not pay for the wall. Now you have a Chinese 
company, a big one at that, um, coming into the picture. So now we're going to have to see even if Trump will approve of MoneyGram selling out to a Chinese company. We already know that Trump had a meeting with Ma in New York earlier this month before the inauguration. I would have to think that this has already been discussed. Um, so we'll see. But it's just – it's almost like becoming like a soap opera. You know, it, 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 it's it's finally you, – you, you kind of get the news and, and understand what's going on, and we have a president – um, that I feel that he's in charge and in control of everything. And that's something that we haven't experienced for a very, very long time. Uh, one of the financial news out today, the U.S. Um, uh, let me get back to uh, uh, purchases of new U.S. homes fell in December to a 10-month low, suggesting the jump in mortgage rates pushed out potential buyers. You had the single-family house sales dropped 10%, 10.5% percent. That's the most in almost two years. And of course, the figures indicate that the increase in mortgage rates is what's curbing the momentum in the housing market. After, you know, we hear about, you know, the stud, stud, steady job gains and of course the low borrowing costs. So you see, consumers are not only addicted to consuming or debt, they are also addicted to low interest rates. And with rising rates, you will see home values decrease or people just can't qualify. The average interest rate on a 30-year fixed mortgage reached 4.2% at the end of December. That was 4.32% at the end of December. That's the highest since April of 2014. Yesterday, I talked about the consumer is, again, surviving on credit cards. Um, you have credit card debt back to the pre-crisis level of a trillion dollars. And when you see any increase in the Fed funds rate, the interest rate that the Fed pushes, um, you know, that's going to all flow through to those credit cards and to mortgages. And particularly when you now have more than 40% of all home refinancing activity today includes cash back of at least 5%, you know, we're in the same predicament as we were heading into 2008. Um, you know, with uh, Mr. Trump's plans to spur economic growth through tax cuts and less regulation, you know, we did see a rise in Treasury yields, and we also saw a corresponding increase in mortgage rates. We also saw the Federal Reserve is, is projected. You know, they raised it a quarter point in December, and they're also projected to raise its benchmark interest rate a couple of times this year. So, again, that doesn't fare well for the homeowner. Um, some of the things that were interesting in that report, the drop in demand last month was led by a 41% drop in the Midwest, 12%, almost 13% decline in the South. Sales in the West fell 1.3%. Well, the only place that jumped was in the Northeast, and that was 48.4%. The medium sales price of a new house increased 7.9% from December of 2015. And again, if you look at contract closing, which reflects signings made a month or two earlier, that fell 2.8% to a $5.5 million annual rate. And we also see inventory decline to the lowest level since 1999. 
Um, we only have a couple more minutes before we head into the break. And again, folks, I just want to remind you of my special today, the Mint State $62.20 St. Gaudens. Give us a call, 1-800-375-4188. I will try and keep uh, the price matched to Gold Eagles for as long as I can. So, you know, take advantage, don't wait, and call us as soon as you can. This is kind of, doesn't really mean anything, but it's interesting. Throughout my years of doing this, over, you know, 23, 24 years, Every once in a while, you'll hear about the doomsday clock, the needle that moves, gets closer to that, you know, to the, the 12 o'clock, you know, where the earth will basically disappear. And today marked the 70th anniversary of the doomsday clock. Um, the clock's hand was moved to two and a half minutes to midnight. It was reflecting three minutes prior to today. So we're getting closer. Um, just a little bit about that. The, the Doomsday Clock was a graphic that just appeared on a cover of a magazine of the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientist, and it was on its first cover. And it represented a seriousness, a purpose, and it was sort of like a call to action. And so it became the Doomsday Clock. What I find interesting about this is one of the things that they included, not, not just nuclear power, and global warming, which is a farce, but they included fake news, and they gave the example given as a recent tweet that new global realities emerged as trusted sources of information came under attack. Fake news was on the rise, and words were used in a cavalier and often reckless ways. That was one of the reasons why they took us closer to the Doomsday 12. And I find that interesting because I can only think that it relates to Mr. Trump. And usually they never took political um, views in coming to their decisions on where this clock should be. I hear the music. I'm out of time. 1-800-375-4188. Stay tuned. Alfred and James Corbett will be here when we get back. You've just defended yourself with a gun. There were multiple assailants, and you were really concerned about your legal jeopardy and the resulting media coverage. Was deadly force justified? In your town, the politics of self-defense is not favorable, but at least you're alive and your family is protected. Fortunately, you have Self-Defense Fund, a comprehensive litigation membership backing you on appeals, legal expenses, court costs, and more, up to $1 million per incident and unlimited attorney cost per member. Discover selfdefensefund.com for yourself. Any weapon, any state, any time. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its 
its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. I'm Alfred Addis, and this is Financial Survival. Our guest is James Corbett from the Corbett Report. Some of the best audios, videos, articles that you can find on the Internet on geopolitical, economic questions. And uh, hello, James. How are you? I'm not doing too bad. How about yourself? Well, you sound like you're not absolutely. Sound if you're, when we were talking before, you said your family is <laughs> Yeah, well, maybe you're not. Maybe you're not so ginky right now. What do you think about what do you think about the Trump phenomena? All right, I don't know if we can call it a phenomena or not, but I do you remember another one, another president taking office who seemed to raise as many waves as quickly as Trump has? Uh, not in my political lifespan, certainly not, but uh, I, I don't think this is surprising given everything that was running up into this election. I mean, we knew there were going to be some some pretty big events, and of course, there is, just given who Trump is and who his opposition is, there we know there's going to be large protests and things of that sort as well, so there's just a lot of scrutiny on what's going on, and obviously, you know, this is the time to make the big moves if you're a deal maker, so uh, it's going to be a very interesting first hundred days. Oh yeah, I understand. I get. The, I, I'm not a fan of Obama. All right, I actually supported him when he was when he came into office. I thought he'd be all right. I thought any, I could, I couldn't imagine anybody could be worse than Bush Jr. And silly me, I was wrong about that. Uh, but I'm not a fan of Obama. But just the same, I look back to the eight years of Obama, and in a lot of regards, I know it's not necessarily it's a subjective opinion. But it's almost as if Trump is doing more in the first week than Obama did in several years. Do you find do you think that that opinion is completely misguided, or am I, or am I still ginky? Uh, I, it, I I think well, it's difficult to say. Certainly, there are a lot of executive orders that are coming, but there generally are. And people might remember the first uh, few days of Obama's administration if you were looking at it from the same lens. Expecting there to be a lot of change, you might have gotten caught up in all of the the, the talk and the sort of the, the flash and the seeming details of things. So, for example, I mean, Obama came in uh, talking, for example, about the most transparent administration in history, and we're going to get rid of 
were the lobbyists and blah, blah, blah. And, of course, that was quickly proven to all be lies and fabrications. But uh, at, at any rate, if you were just reading the statements and looking at the sort of flash of it, it might have uh, looked very impressive at the moment that he came in. And similarly, we might get caught away in caught up in this sort of Trump mania and, wow, look, everything's changing so quickly. For example, I was just reading about this latest thing about Trump is going to be trying or pull it, not pulling the U.S. out of the U.N., but, but limiting U.S. involvement in the U.N., which is a grabbing title and grabbing headline. But when you drill down into the story, this executive order that apparently the New York Times saw, you know, in advance or has seen a leaked copy or what have you, um, they're saying it, it includes clauses like, for example, ensuring that the U.S. does not fund the International Criminal Court which it already doesn't. There is no U.S. funding that goes to the ICC. Or uh, there was another uh, clause, something about uh, uh, automatically limiting U.S. involvement in any, uh, any U.N. administration or bureaucracy that in any way recognizes the Palestinian Authority. Again, all that's already done. And in fact, we saw that when UNESCO uh, officially acknowledged Palestine a few years ago and the, uh, the Obama administration immediately pulled U.S. funding from UNESCO. So, again, this is uh, it seems like a very startling thing. But when you actually get down to the details, maybe nothing has actually changed significantly yet. So, again, we have know. to see how this shakes out before we start, you know. Oh, I agree with that. It. But we've got uh, here's, here's something from Fox News. It says Trump to order construction of U.S. Mexico border wall expected to suspend refugee program. Um, Trump, President Trump on Wednesday is expected today, of course, is expected to order the construction of his long-promised wall along the U.S.-Mexico border and take other action on immigration. Um, he's going to curb funding of sanctuary cities that don't arrest or detain immigrants living in the U.S. illegally, uh, bolstering 5,000 new agents for the for the uh, Border Patrol, um, yada, yada. Uh, what do you think? Is this, you know, it's, he promised it. I mean, from, from my perspective, the great thing about any of this is it at least looks like he's trying to keep his promises, his, his political campaign com promises. That all by itself is, is a, what, when was the last time I saw a politician who tried to keep his political campaign com uh, uh, promises? I'm trying to remember. I never paid yeah, attention. Where well, my, yeah, uh, does it, Trump yeah, seems does like it he's exist. doing it. Do they ever uh, follow through on the things that yeah, you actually want them to follow through on? Um, yes. Yeah, as always, the devil's in the details. So I haven't okay. actually, I'm not sure if these executive orders have been released yet, but at any rate, so I see stories that are quoting them. So, for example, uh, there is an instruction to the Homeland Security Secretary to take, quote, steps to immediately plan, design, and construct a physical wall along the southern border in order to achieve complete operational control of the southern border. And it even defines a wall as a contiguous physical wall or other similarly secure, contiguous, and impassable physical barrier. Okay, good enough. So that's a start, and that is, does seem to be a, a fulfillment of at least the, you know, half of the, the promise that was made in the campaign. The other half, of course, yep. who's going to pay for the wall? Mexico. <laughs> so um, apparently negotiations are going to begin, quote, relatively soon on how Mexico is going to be forced to pay for this wall. And Trump is quoted as saying, I'm telling you there will be a payment. It will be in a form, perhaps a complicated form. We're going to stabilize on both sides of the border, and we also understand that a strong and healthy economy in Mexico is very good for the United States. So again, I, you know, I'll, I'll be very interested to see how Mexico is made to pay for this, <laughs> but it, you know it's interesting to see the movement. Made to even appear to pay for it. Yeah, exactly. 
right? uh, for, for example, if we're going to have tariffs, if Trump is going to install, is going to raise tariffs uh, on, on our borders and particularly with Mexico, then he's got a negotiating uh, strategy where he can say, look, Mr. Uh, President of Mexico, um, we'll only raise the tariff barrier this high if you agree to send us uh, X number of dollars for the wall. Um, there's a certain amount of leverage there. They might not get the money, what I'm trying to say, but they might get cooperation instead with which Trump can say, oh, see, I got him to pay for it by cooperating with us rather than the uh, – you follow what I'm saying? Yep. Yes, I do. Yeah. Yes. And, of course, the other side of this is the uh, the immigration issue generally, and so apparently there are um, – order. part of the orders are talking about stripping federal grants from sanctuary mm -hmm. states and cities yeah. that harbor illegal immigrants. So that is a significant step. And, of course, yeah. again, we'll have to see how enforcement actually plays out on this, but it is, it is a uh, – I think this is – exactly the step that is necessary on probably the one of the most important issues for a lot of Trump voters. So I think yeah. this is obviously going to play very well with the base that voted for him. It's going to be one of those things that says he's for real. He can't back out of this. Exactly. Right? He might not be able to get he's the step down from this, I think for, so. but he's got to make, he's got to put up a wall or, or everyone's going to, his, his candidacy, his, his presidency will be kind of a farce. Yes. Another one here from International Business Times. The headline is Trump Preps Muslim Ban. President Donald Trump was set to sign an executive order temporarily banning the entry into uh, to the U.S. for people traveling from a number of predominantly Muslim countries, Iran, Iraq, Syria, uh, Libya, Sudan, Yemen. Specifically, the U.S. will automatically block any visa of any person of a person traveling from any of the above listed countries. Also includes the temporary immigration ban uh, on those who are refugees. <clears throat> He's hitting the ground running. Is this a good thing, a bad thing? Um, will Muslims kind of understand this, or will they be highly offended? Well, I would assume that they would be offended. Um being discriminated against essentially on their religious beliefs. But I think the point of this is that, of course, there's no – you can't give people a test, are you a Muslim, as they come into the country. Because even if you did do that, I mean, people could just lie and say, nope, okay, you're in. So it, it isn't that type of ban. It's a ban on areas that are predominantly Muslim. Iraq, yep. Iraq, Libya, Syria, Somalia. So, again, there's – I mean, I understand this is exactly what is voters – wanted, what his base wanted, but for people who actually care about government, a government overreach of power and what that actually means and the idea of civil liberties of some sort, although of course that doesn't apply to people who are not American citizens, as we all know it only applies to Americans, but the idea here um, is not Muslims per se, it's just anyone from a Muslim country. So even if you're a Christian, if you happen to be living in you know, Syria, too bad for you. Trump is having, he's alleged to be having an effect all over the world. Um, some people are blaming him or praising him, depending on your perspective, for strengthening the anti-European Union uh, movement in the Eurozone. Um, Israel, for example, here's something from Reuters, Israel plans more than 2,500 new settler homes to start the Trump era. Uh, this, this is the second declaration since U.S. President Donald Trump took office, signaling he would be more accommodating towards such projects than his predecessor. 
Uh, Israel is apparently delighted to see Mr. Trump in office and relieved to see Mr. Obama gone. All right. Is Trump really responsible to a significant degree for new 2,500 settler homes to be built in what was once Palestinian territory? Is he actually uh, responsible for that significantly, or is it just more of a coincidence? Well, I mean, to the extent that an American red light or green light or yellow light on the issue of of settlement in particular and sort of general Israeli-Palestinian relations um, in general, and to the extent that that is uh, taken seriously in Tel Aviv, and I think it is, uh, then obviously they have gotten a giant, a gigantic flashing uh, neon-colored green light from the incoming Trump administration, which includes, of course, uh, Trump's designated ambassador to Israel, David Friedman, who is notable for being if anything, more of a Likudnik than Netanyahu himself, and uh, has talked about uh, there is no two-state solution. It's only going to be uh, Israel, and uh, and they want to move the 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 embassy to Jerusalem, probably the most incredibly destabilizing thing you could think of doing in the, that situation diplomatically. Uh, he's advocated for. Um, you have. Uh, other people, people who are, who are going to be in, in charge of overseeing the Israel-Palestinian issue in the Trump administration are, uh, uh, I, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but he was an ex-settler himself, <laughs> so who worked, uh, you know, carried an M-16 and worked guard duty at uh, a settlement in, in Gaza. So, again, I mean, it's, uh, there's no doubt whatsoever that this administration is going to be the most friendly towards Israel that we've seen in recent memory, and of course more friendly than Obama's, the Obama administration was, and that has to be taken, as I say, as a big green light for the uh, for Tel Aviv to, to start pressing the issue. Is it a good thing, a bad thing? And what I mean by that is Trump is, does seem to be having a, a strange effect not just confined to the United States, it goes beyond that. Is this strengthening Israel or is it destabilizing the region? And the answer is both, I understand, but which one is which one is more significant? Is Israel going to be strengthened as much as the region will be destabilized, or what do you think? Well, I mean, there's no question that the balance of power is in Israel's favor, especially with the newly inked $40 billion aid deal over the next 10 years, an absolute groundbreaking largest aid deal ever, which, of course, is military aid. So I think there's no question who holds the upper hand. And uh, if there is a renewed and re revivified uh, push for settlement, uh, continuation of settlement, and uh, a sense that America is going to be 110% on, on Tel Aviv's side, I don't think there's any question that this redounds definitely to Israel's benefit at the expense of Palestine and any other would-be aggressors on, on Israel. Here's another little article from the Associated Press that is it's linked to what's happening in Israel, I think intimately. We're going to get started on it, but we'll take a break here before probably we can get finished on this. But the headline is Trump willing to work with Russia against the Islamic State. Trump administration says it's willing to partner with Moscow to combine to combat the Islamic State group. White House Press Secretary Sean Spicer said the administration will work with Russia or anyone else to defeat the militant group, either militarily or economically. President has vowed to, div, to defeat uh, the Islamic State quickly when he takes office. 
Uh, and let's just talk about quickly. Let's just start with that. How quick is quickly? And what does this bode for the Islamic State? Is there going to be a settlement, a peace deal, or are they going to be crushed? Well, again, if we listen to the rhetoric, it is crushed. But uh, again, I hate to be constantly saying this, but I don't think we necessarily should trust the rhetoric. And um, there's there are counterindications to the idea that this is going to be, uh, you know, a quick and swift and steady partnership. And in fact, Brandon Turbeville had a, an article up on Activist Post just the other day. Alleged U.S.-Russian cooperation called into question is Trump also hostile to Assad? And it's talking about some of the rhetoric that indicates that uh, the Trump administration is going to be uh, equally as stalwart as the Obama administration was on the idea of regime change or not abiding an, uh, President Assad in Syria. And if that's the case, then it's difficult to see how they can form any sort of meaningful relationship with Russia on the Syrian issue. Perhaps they can agree on coordinated military action on ISIS. And if so, it, it's uh, certainly if Russia and the U.S. coordinated, there's no doubt that they could wipe ISIS off the face of the map, map pretty quickly. So it, it could be done. Um, the, the real question is, will it be done? And if Trump is serious about uh, being staunchly against Assad, then again, the, the political calculation is, well, to what extent do you want to help Assad against his enemies, ISIS? This article says on Monday, the Russian Defense Ministry announced that it had carried out a joint airstrike mission with a U.S.-led coalition warplanes against uh, the Islamic State in Syria. That claim was immediately denied by the Pentagon. <laughs> exactly right. You know. uh, what, what's happening here? This is, uh, is we is or is we ain't. Um, fake news. Yeah, fake news or politically incorrect news. Did we really have the joint airstrike? That's that's the fact of the issue, one way or the other. Uh, and we could find out what the truth, what was true, what was false. Where I'm going with this, when we come back from the break, we can talk about this. If Russia and the U.S. are willing to work together as partners to combat the Islamic State, is the Islamic State doomed? We already talked about that a little bit. Does Trump's new relationship with Russia change America's relationship to Syria? Um, from what you're saying, the answer is probably no, Sada. Uh, Sadat is still not, or Sadat, excuse me, is still persona non grata. Um, and we'll have more. We'll have a couple more questions when we return. Got to take a break for a couple commercials right now. I'll be back with James Corbett from the CorbettReport.com. Please stay tuned. Aspirin mistake. Aspirin was discovered by mistake during World War II and suppresses your immune system and prevents blood clotting. Don't expose your body to risk when you can use a natural inflammation and pain reliever called Extra Strength Pain Relief by Apothecary Herbs. Discover the power this formula has with Salicin to enter the system in 60 seconds to work hard and relieve pain for 12 hours. Whether it's arthritis, sports injury, or flu, you can relieve aches, pain, and swelling with our Extra Strength Pain Relief Formula. Call Apothecary Herbs now, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom 
since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. I'm Alfred Adams here with James Corbett from the CorbettReport.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T, CorbettReport.com. We're talking about the impact that Trump has had on Israel. They're building, they're planning to put up another 2,500 homes in, in territory that, been, that the Palestinians claim. Um, some people think there are reports, There, there is a report that Trump is willing to work with Russia against the Islamic State. We were posing some of the questions that flow from this. Uh, I mean, if uh, Trump, if the United States and Russia work together, the Islamic State is toast. Uh, if Trump's new relationship with Russia, if or if there is a new relationship, and I think there's going to be, do you think there's any question that there's going to be certainly an improved relationship with Russia? as compared to what what existed under the Obama administration? I can't imagine how it could get worse. So, yeah. yes, I'm expecting it to improve. We are, in theory, that people were concerned that World War III was... Some people thought it was imminent. Given that Trump is there, does World War III seem in the same place, or is it backed off? Well... At least the direct NATO confrontation with Russia does seem to be a less imminent threat. But I don't think that, in fact, if anything, the threat increases in places like Iran, which has been vocally and uh, demonstrably targeted by Trump himself, as well as several of his key administration appointees, and also in China, of course. So, again, I'm not necessarily... Sure that there is no threat, but at any rate, that that imminent threat in Eastern Europe does seem a little bit diminished by this. Mm-hmm. Trump's uh, Trump's new relationship is positive with Russia. Well, the question we you'd already talked about it to some degree is America's relationship with Syria also going to improve in the sense that we're not going to try to unseat Assad. You're familiar with someone's opinion that says uh, you mentioned someone who's convinced that we are still going to be out to get Assad. Is and just just for my own edification, do you think that's Trump's opinion? Or do All you right, think so, that's yeah. so this comes from this comes from Brandon Turbeville at activistpost.com and in his article he's quoting the uh, press secretary Sean Spicer who hinted at the possibility that the U.S. is still hostile to President Assad under Trump. Uh, He said, quote, we're not going to get together with people under the guise of defeating ISIS if that's not truly their guise. 
so let's not take that too far. And uh, he was he was uh, responding specifically to a question about the potential for cooperation with Assad in targeting ISIS. So at any rate, they're saying that uh, you know don't don't get carried away with that kind of speculation. Doesn't mean we're on Assad's side here. And uh, again, we'll uh, as always devils in the details. We'll see what that means in terms of uh, does that mean that they're still insisting Assad must go, or is that just saying that we're not going to cooperate with the Syrian government per se, but we'll go for ISIS? What about if Trump has a new relationship that's at least more positive, maybe not positive per se, but more positive with Russia. Does that change Israel's relationship to Russia? Uh, well, yeah, yeah, I, 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 there's no doubt that it will affect all of the different relationships with Russia. Mm -hmm. um, but I, yeah, that's a good question. And I'm not an, an expert enough on Israel-Russia relations to know how precisely that would be affected. Well, um, I don't expect that anyone is, but you know, Israel, my understanding, my limited understanding is that Israel and Russia have been, you know, adversaries of sorts for for a number of years. I don't I haven't seen much evidence that they're buddies and pals that I'm aware of. But right. if Trump so, is getting along with Russia, does Israel get along with Russia? I mean, uh, the whole well, thing becomes, you know, what what a what a juggling performance. Everything yeah. is destabilized. Yeah. It's now all it really up Well, everything yeah. is in flux right now, and I wrote about yeah. that in last weekend's International Forecaster uh, uh, article called Chaos Out of Order, talking about the chaos that clearly everyone feels, no matter what you think about Trump and what's happening. I think everyone understands the world is in flux right now, and everything's on the table. So um, regarding Israel and Russia, you did, I think you brought up uh, an article from a, a couple of months ago about Israel shifting strategies to prepare for long-time Russian presence in region, which is an interesting and intriguing idea. Um, but more specifically, we could look at consortiumnews.com, which had an article from last September, Neocon Dilemma, Israeli-Russian Detente. And this is as official Washington's neocons lead the charge into a new Cold War, deeming Russia as an implacable enemy. An inconvenient truth is that the neocons' beloved Israel is warming its relationship with Moscow. So if the Trump administration's warming relations with Russia leads to Israel getting the green light for warming relations with uh, Russia, then, yes, that does seem to be in exact opposition to the neocons that had circled around the Clinton uh, campaign and and their idea of trying to limit, you know, Putin as some sort of pariah on the world stage. And it would definitely change that calculus for a lot of nations, including Israel. What do you think the establishment is going to do about Trump? What do you think the neocons are going to do about Trump? Do they have to just put up with him, or are there acts they can take to move the world back in their direction more so than in the direction of populism or whatever it is that Trump represents? Well, I think at this point we're going to have to see or have to try to parse the uh, the difference between the above surface state and the deep state and i think that the uh the powers that are arrayed against what is happening right now like the neocons and other disaffected malcontents are going to be nesting and burrowing themselves deeper into the deep state um which i i think generally has the upper hand in these situations because it's always a question of uh, who controls the the information the dirty goods the skeletons in the closet and if you are in a position of power in something like the NSA, for example, then you obviously have the upper hand in that relationship. So it will have to be, I think that something to be watching carefully will be the way in which 
the uh, Trump appointees to the various uh, intelligence agencies, CIA and others, um, work to restore order in their organizations. And of course, it was significant that Trump's first major um, press conference or, or uh, appearance as president took place at CIA headquarters and saying, you know, I'm with you. And and he received quite a warm welcome at that, um, which uh, seems to indicate, as others have been saying, that uh, uh, there is a difference between the rank and file kind of average CIA versus the, the people who have been in positions of power in the top ranks of the CIA in the Obama administration, and it was those top ranks people who were more against Trump, and it's not the average kind of, you know, average working stiff, as it were, if there is such a thing in the CIA, and that does seem to be, seems to be playing out, so we'll see if a change in leadership will really rid itself of that problem, but we know how changes in leadership don't necessarily uh, translate into changes in action or policy, as when Kennedy got rid of Dulles from the CIA, but didn't really get rid of Dulles from the CIA because, of course, you still have your cadre of men who are loyal to you, not necessarily loyal to whoever happens to be in that directorship. So, why do you think you know, that, a complicated relationship? Why do you think that people maintain loyalty to an individual rather than loyalty to their institution like the CIA? And where I'm going with this is. Is it simply human nature that we have more loyalty to the people we know than we do to any of the other uh, ideas that, that float around? I, mean, I, I can profess loyalty to my country, to my state, to my city, whatever, but when it come, push comes to shove, is it just human nature that my real loyalty goes to the people that I deal with on a daily basis? To the extent that's true for you and me and the average Joe, I think it's doubly, triply, a hundred times more so in the intelligence field itself. I think we tend to think of these intelligence agencies as just another bureaucracy in the federal government. I think it's more fruitful to look at them essentially as secret societies. They are secret societies. They emerged from the secret society milieu, and it's no, it's no secret. I mean, uh, there's an overwhelming preponderance of Yaleys in the CIA, always has been, and Skull and Bones, of course, has been absolutely instrumental in that. And I think there is a, it's not, that's not just an historical coincidence. I think intelligence agencies are secret societies of a sort, and that's where they recruit their memberships. And in a secret society, it's not some abstract, you know, it's not the, the society per se, or, or the person who happens to be the, the head of that society. It is the people that you know, the, your brothers under the skin, as the, the bonesmen called them, uh, the people that you, you've personally developed those relationships with while working in, in that position. And you, you, you know, you share that same ideology and, and you know, these guys do, and you know that the whole purpose of the organization is to deceive others about what it is and what it's doing and what it stands for. So you don't necessarily trust anyone that you don't know in those positions. And I think that's why, especially in intelligence, compartmentalization is so important and who you know is really the deciding factor in terms of, you know, where your allegiances lie. You imply that the CIA may be composed of a number of, of fiefdoms. It's, uh, there's at least uh, some sort of a significant division between one side and the other side within the CIA, and there may be multiple divisions. It's like the Balkans, right? We call it the CIA, but we don't have a unified institution where everybody's marching in lockstep in a particular direction. 
And, and it wouldn't even be possible given the way it's structured because, of course, there is that compartmentalization built in. You don't That's necessarily true. know what the person sitting at the desk next to you, literally or metaphorically, is working on because you don't have comp access to it. That's, you don't have the right clearance. Uh, Need-to-know basis is how intelligence agencies are structured. So you might have more in common with someone uh, that you're coordinating with, even in a different agency or even someone who's in deep undercover who, who's not officially with the agency or what have you than someone you're working side by side with. And uh, that's why I think it's, it's very naive to look at the CIA as the CIA, as if it's one unit that works in lockstep on everything. That's actually a pretty good observation. It's a, it's a nice insight, in part because everything's on a need-to-know basis, which means you leave a lot of people who would like to know, but they don't know. They're left with a need to speculate. Right? What's really going on here? What the exactly. heck are they doing over there? And so so, and and then nobody's going to tell you. And and you might even be right. Your speculation might be exactly. correct. I know what they're up to. Right? I'm sure but, for any complicated operation, there are many people who have one piece of the puzzle who can say, I know this about whatever the Oklahoma City bombing or what have you, but I don't know the rest of the story because I'm not privy to that information. And I can guess, you know, it looks like maybe that was involved with that and this person was there. But I, I, the only the people at the top of that pyramid who aren't necessarily the director or people in those positions, but the people who have all of the access to all of those different programs and things that are going on will know the actual story. Do you think that the CIA, <laughs> do you think that the CIA agents and operatives and administrators, they spend most of their time trying to deduce what Russia is up to? Or do they spend most of their time trying to deduce whether, what other elements of the CIA are up to? I would not be surprised to learn it's more of the latter than the former, um, because yeah, I, I think... Either. I think everyone understands that the American intelligence community is the most largest, the most well-funded of of any in the in the world, and uh, clearly has its fingers in every pie around the world. And as as you say, I mean, people can't necessarily be sure what what uh, people they're working with on a daily basis are actually doing, and who who they're working for and with, and in what way they might be betraying or backstabbing or in, in other ways getting, you know, sort of undermining what's happening. And the more you look into the actual history of the way different operations are run, I mean, there people like to say, oh, it's not conspiracy, it's just incompetence because no one can really coordinate something like that. Well, I think there is an element to that. Um, when you look at, for example, the Phoenix program and how that was run in Vietnam, uh, Douglas Valentine's written books about that. Uh, it's fascinating stuff, very chilling stuff about the way the counterterrorism, quote unquote, was run in Vietnam. But it was, I mean, a thing with many, many different heads, lots of different agencies and bureaucracies all had their, their fingers in that pie. And it's uh, doubtful that anyone quite understood the entire system and how it was working because there were so many different people with so many, so many cooks trying to, you know, mm -hmm. make that broth. And trying to maintain secrecy. This implies that insofar as they have these multiple groups who are only guessing at what's going on, it predisposes them not only to division, internal division, but perhaps even functioning as double agents and engaging in treason. You get into a situation, I don't know what these people are doing over there, but I think they're up to something. And maybe they're making money, why not me? I, do you see the... Trying to, I'm trying to illustrate the idea that uh, the very nature of intelligence 
because it's secretive, it predisposes people to be susceptible to becoming double agents. Does that make any sense? Uh, absolutely does, and uh, especially if you get one of those double agents into a position of relative power in the agency that can coordinate other people in what they're doing and then can use that compartmentalization to manipulate people into doing things they don't even understand. And uh, that's, I mean, it, it really is. That's why the deep state can really wield the, the, the ace card in any hand they're dealt, because they, they always have that, that, that extra layer of information that other people don't. We've got about 30 seconds left. James, would you like to do a pitch for the Corbett Report? Tell us what you've got up there lately, uh, fresh videos, fresh podcasts, whatever. I am working on a podcast that I hope to deliver tomorrow about the Indian cashless biometric experiment and what that means for people around the world as that is rolled out elsewhere, so I hope people will keep their eye on that. It's at uh, CorbettReport.com, C-O-R-B-E-T-T, report.com. All my work is up there for free, and I hope people will support it by becoming members of the site. Okay, James, thanks very much for being on the program. Always a pleasure, always interesting. That's James Corbett from thecorbettreport.com. I'm Alfred Haddis. This is Financial Survival. Melody and I will be back tomorrow. In the meantime, the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, James Corbett, Todd, the producer. Bye-bye. Still, there never seems to be a single penny left for me. and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement.
gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGScoins.com. That's DGScoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Hey, hey, just don't play. 
afternoon, all. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Steffen. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is Thursday, January 26, 2017. And if that's, uh, well, it's about 2.07 and a half out here on the Pacific Time Coast. And if that's when it is where you're at, we are live. Uh, you can uh, participate in the show by calling in 541-826-0953, 541-826-0953, or you can go to uh, huh. and I'll tell you, Firefox has just turned to real, just a nightmare. It's so it's so sad too. It used to be such a good browser, but now they've made it into Chrome with a new face, and it just sucks. The you know the worst thing Mozilla ever did was partner with Google. Anyway, uh, oh anyway, where was I? Oh yes, if you don't want to uh, call in, you can go to the website. And I'm going to give you the easiest way to get there. There are like four or five different ways to get there. AVRN.TV. That's easy. That's simple. You can't forget that. AVRN.TV. There's AVRN1.com. There is American Voice Radio Network. There is The American Voice. The Both of those are .coms. So... You know, it all gets you basically to the same place, uh, one of two places. We have two separate pages that are identical on two separate servers with two separate companies. And, you know, that's in an effort to make it so no matter what happens with one company, we have some redundancy. So anyhow, or one area, you know, because they're also in different areas. So if there's a catastrophe in one area... It may not affect the other. So that's the point there. And always, 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 folks, if you have problems, like I know a lot of you just say, okay, I don't want to go to that page all the time. I just want to put this in my player. You know, whatever you use, and you just put it in there, and you save it, and you have other things in there. And, you know, you know what you like to listen to. At this time of the day, I go here. At that time of the day, I go there. You know, but people are like that, and they don't want to necessarily hit the browser and go so they put it in whatever they use as their player and do that however that works great until addresses change folks you have to understand technology the internet is is not a static environment things are changing all the time okay so if you go to your player one day and you click a, a stream for avr now, you know, we have like seven, and that's one of the reasons is because if something goes wrong with one or something has to change with one or two, then there are others you can go and listen to and at least find out what's going on. But the best place to go is to the website because if there are changes, that's where they're going to be made. They're going to be made on the website, and you can go there and get the new address. Or pick another stream to save in your player, one or the other. Uh, but that's what you'll have to do because 
you know, because if you're if you're just going to turn on your player and go, oh, well, it doesn't work. He must be dead. They must have got him. Yada, yada, yada. Okay, that's all fun and games and all that. But you know what? If that's all you do and then just go listen to something else, then I guess you didn't really care about listening here anyway. And if that's the case, good riddance to you. I'm serious, folks. You know, I, I heard uh, Roy Ben Shadler say he's not interested in you know, waking up dumbasses, meaning the masses. And, you know, I still am interested in that, but I understand that sentiment. I really do understand that sentiment. You know, if if that's what you're about and, and you can't even, you know, be bothered to go to a website to check it out, then don't bother at all. You know, take a hike, and I hope your chains are light on you, because that's what's going to happen. Because if you, listen, you, you don't start educating your neighbors, you don't start educating the people you work with, you don't start educating your family and friends, uh, it's not going to be good for you. And those of you out there saying, well, my family's completely a bunch of libtards, my friends are all libtards, everywhere I work is all libtards. Well, you know what? You better work even harder. No, really, you better work even harder to change people's minds because I'll tell you what, you are surrounded. And that's not a good place to be. See, my friends are not libtards. Okay? If I worked somewhere where they were, I, for one, would look for another job. And for two, if I didn't get another job, I certainly would not associate with any of my fellow employees. Look, I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to do a job, and so are you. So get to work. Honestly, folks, you know what? And and you got to be careful at work. I understand that. I am not suggesting anybody gets radical and starts yelling at people and telling them what to, you know. But in the course of a day, conversations come up. And instead of just giving your fellow workers your opinion, which they can dismiss and poo-poo and say, oh, you're just a racist, misogynist, uh, bigot, whatever, homophobe, it goes on and on with the name-calling. Instead of that, pass them on some facts. Okay? Pass them on some facts. So, anyway, because, look... The alternative media isn't going to do it all by themselves because we just don't reach enough people. Okay, we don't we don't get the mass appeal, and there's a lot of things working against the alternative media, like FedBook, you know, and and Google, and and just it goes on and on. It's not an easy road, and the people out there, you know, walking that road, are working hard doing it. But it doesn't do any good if you don't participate. And I don't mean call in, and I don't mean all that, because usually call ins are all about, you know, yeah, that's great. I agree with you. It's wonderful, and I'm really happy. And thank you. And that's and those calls really go a long way, and not just here, everywhere, because everybody likes to hear that. But when I mean participate, as much as I appreciate those calls, that's not what I mean. I mean participate in educating the people around you whether they want it or not and you know what if after a while they just get to the point where they just 
good golly, they don't want to be around you because, well, what did you lose? What did you lose? Oh, we've been friends for 10 years. Friends with what? Friends with somebody who doesn't agree with you on anything? Somebody who is opposed to everything you stand for? How are you friends with somebody like that? Now, I get coworkers. You got to maybe, you know, work with people that are, you know, diametrically opposed to you, just like family. You know, family's family. Whether they agree with you or not doesn't mean you got to associate with them. It's crazy, folks, because people who think that somebody else is going to do this for them, they're wrong. Okay? You look around. You look at the people you talk to. You look at the people you work with. You look at the people in your neighborhood. And you start figuring out, hmm, am I in a good spot? Because uh, being surrounded during the collapse of Western civilization by your enemies is probably not the best place to be. Just a guess. But I'm I'm thinking it's probably not the best place to be. So the idea is, you know, try to educate these people because they are misguided. They are uninformed or misinformed. You know, not everything in the alternative media is true either, okay? There are a lot of people out there that I don't know what their deal is. I don't know whether they're shills for the opposition or they're just you know they just don't do due diligence and that's really what it is it's not even research it's just due diligence you read something and you go and try to do the best you can to figure out is this true or is this false what parts of this are true what parts are false and that's usually what you're going to find because most things from the mainstream media have some truth in them. But they put that in there to sucker you in to buy the lies. You're the one that's got to discern that. And then pass on your findings to other people so they can be informed. Uh, Let's see here. I got something. I want to do this first here if I can find it. I have so many things open. Dealing with a lot of things. I'll tell you, man, tech support has become just a joke. You know, it's a real sad thing when you when you contact tech support and they are incompetent to the point where uh, you could be their supervisor. It, it's sick. It's just not the way it's supposed to be. They, they can barely type uh, a line that makes any sense because it's probably not their first <laughs> language. You know, I mean... Um, uh, but I'm having, oh, wait, here we go. I think maybe I can get it here because, uh, it is about, uh, one of the candidates, okay, for the Supreme Court justice. And, uh, you, you, you want to know about this because, you know, a lot of things that, okay, here's what, before I find this, I'll reiterate what I remember hearing here, reading here, is the fact that what the Democrats do 
is they will get a guy who is a liberal. He's a Democrat. And they will say, well, why don't you go out here and you say this and that and the other thing. And uh, we'll, we'll say, oh, man, you're, uh, you're our enemy. You're our enemy. You're our enemy because, well, uh, you know, he's a conservative. But what happens when it turns out that, well, then you go and look at the guy's record? And he's really not a conservative. He's really a liberal in conservative clothing. It's kind of like John Roberts on the Supreme Court. George Bush picked him. Oh, he's he's a conservative. No, he's not. He's not a conservative at all. He's not a constitutional constructionist either. See, I don't care about liberal or conservative I want a constitutional constructionist, meaning what it says is what it means, and that's the law. We don't get to make up things. We don't get to say, well, you know, times have changed and yada, yada. Well, too bad. The law is the law, and if you don't like it, change it. But as it is, it stands. You can't just say, well, we've decided. No. Because you're taking the law and rewriting it, and the Supreme Court has no such authority. Yet they think they do. And what will end up happening is they'll go so far that they will lose all legitimacy with the American people, and nobody will do what they say anyway. Nobody will care what they have to say. They will become ineffective. And that's a real problem. I mean, I, I have absolute disgust in our court systems, but you know what? If they become widely ineffective, if the majority of the population feels they have lost their authority, uh, we're going to have a real problem in this country. Now, here we go. Uh, uh, Public advocate. This is from them. I'll read this to you. I've come across shocking new information in one of the leading candidates for the U.S. Supreme Court. His name is William Pryor. Public advocate has already sounded the alarm about Pryor's history of persecuting pro-family hero Judge Roy Moore. And just weeks ago, now those of you that don't know who Judge Roy Moore is, he is the uh, Alabama Supreme Court Justice who went through the whole Ten Commandments thing. You know, the Antichrists wanted the Ten Commandments removed from state property. And he said, you know, from the Supreme Court, and he said, hell no. They sued him. They threw him off. They did all kinds of things. Of course, he got reelected to the Alabama Supreme Court because the people want him. He got kicked off by the liberal scumbags who infest the Alabama government. Not the people. They voted him back in. Judge Pryor here is being called the Trojan horse candidate. Just weeks ago, okay, this is just weeks ago, Pryor ruled against, he's in the 11th Circuit right now, okay? Pryor ruled against a middle school that wanted to keep radical homosexual indoctrination out of its classes. Oh, yeah, no, no, they're allowed to teach about homosexuals in school, but not Christ. You can't teach about Jesus Christ. No, no. But you can teach the radical homosexual agenda. This is what Pryor ruled. But now there's even more. In 2011, 
Pryor concurred with a ruling that created a new, get this, right to transgender bathrooms and transgender employment privileges. Despite not offering one constitutional argument or legal precedent to support this radical position. You know what this is? Let me tell you something about these people who rule for pro-homosexuality all the time. They are homosexuals, okay? They are. They are homosexuals in the closet who are pretend they're no different than a liberal signing up to be a Republican, okay? They just stay in the closet, do their nasties in private, and then get out and talk about all conservative things, yet always rule in favor of homosexuality. They are homosexuals. Thanks to the conservative legal group, Judicial Action Group, we've discovered that Pryor stood against public advocate before. As our older supporters may remember, in 2010-2011, public advocate was fighting to defend the right of Augusta State University student Jennifer Keaton to remain a Christian in her counseling program. Okay, so she was in the school, and to be a counselor. She wanted to be a counselor. But the people in charge of that program said you cannot be a Christian and be a counselor. Jennifer Keaton had been ordered by her academic superiors to reject her Christian beliefs and embrace the radical homosexual agenda if she wished to remain in the program. Now, what these people have done is they have shown that, yeah, you know, Pryor is would be considered conservative on abortion and a couple of other things, but he is a homosexual. Do we really want another homosexual on the Supreme Court? I don't. Yes, she had to reject her Christian beliefs and embrace the radical homosexual agenda if she wished to remain in the program. Ms. Keaton wanted to be an elementary school counselor, but apparently her Christian beliefs on homosexuality were an automatic disqualification for counseling young children. Her department ordered her to submit to a program of homosexual re-education designed to remediate her traditional views, including attending a public pornographic display or gay pride parade. Parade. Jennifer took this fight to court and lost, despite petitions from thousands of public advocate supporters. And Judge William Pryor concurred in full with the decision to expel this Christian student for refusing to change her beliefs to fit the agenda of the homosexual lobby. Concurred in full. You want this guy on the Supreme Court? Pryor even went so far as to say this created a precedent that would allow for persecution against all Christians in the field of counseling. But he fully concurred. You see, because he is anti-Christian, as a homosexual would be. He hid behind this so-called private ethics code to justify his violation of the First Amendment. Add this to his history of attacking public displays 
of the Ten Commandments and taking away Judge Moore's judicial seat. And prior is bad for Christians and religious liberty. You know, this guy is, is no good, folks. So, you know what? Write your senator and tell him if this piece of garbage, homosexual, prior, comes up. William Pryor. His name is William Pryor. If he comes up for nomination, they better vote no. You might even want to send a little note to Donald Trump and let him know, wait a minute. You know, if you start nominating homosexuals who are anti-Christian, what the hell are you? Anyway, so I thought I'd just let you know about that little bit of thing there. So, not so everything ain't sunshine and roses in America just because Donald Trump, you know, uh, skedaddled into the White House, okay? We got some serious things going on, and, uh, you know, uh, in his defense, Donald Trump has a lot of things going on. I mean, the whole upper echelon of the State Department just resigned, which is a great thing, I'm telling you, okay? Because they're all a bunch of treasonous whores is what they are. That's why they're resigning. They figure if they get out of there quick, maybe they won't be prosecuted. Maybe if they can get out of there orderly and destroy all the hard drives and all the evidence against them, perhaps they won't have to go to prison. Mm, maybe. So, you know, he has a lot to do. And and little things can get by, like, uh, oh, yeah, well, look at that. He's against uh, abortion. He's against this. He's for that. It seems pretty conservative, except for the fact that what if his people don't let him know? Oh, and by the way, he's a homosexual anti-Christian. Yeah, what about that? Anyway, going to take a break and be back in just a few.
shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. just defended yourself with a gun. There were multiple assailants and you were really concerned about your legal jeopardy and the resulting media coverage. Was deadly force justified? In your town, the politics of self-defense is not favorable, but at least you're alive and your family is protected. Fortunately, you have Self-Defense Fund, a comprehensive litigation membership backing you on appeals, legal expenses, court costs, and more. Up to $1 million per incident and unlimited attorney cost per member. Discover selfdefensefund.com for yourself. Any weapon, any state, any time. about where your next meal will come from if the power is out for an extended period of time? I'd like to suggest Numana Foods, a family-owned business with a passion for food quality and taste, as well as long-term storage reliability. Numana.com. Check them out for your family's health and security. Food so good tasting and good for you, it can be eaten every day. Standard buckets are GMO-free, contain no aspartame, high fructose corn syrup, autolyzed yeast extract, chemical preserve, or soy. You can be confident your Numana meals will be there for you and your family when you need them during an emergency. Numana.com, a nutritionally healthy way to prepare for any disaster. That's Numana.com. N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com.
Thank you very, very much. All right, we're back. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It's Thursday, January 26, 2017. It's about 2.39 out here on the Pacific Time Coast. And um, 541-826-0953 is the call-in, or you can go to our website, theamericanvoice.com, americanvoiceradio.com, avrn1.com, or avrn.tv. That's the easiest one, the shortest one, the least typing to get to one. Anyhow, once you get there, you'll find everything you need to know about this network and uh if you'd like to participate other than calling in you can go to our chat room if you haven't signed up already you'll have to send me an email which is also on the chat uh, is also on the website all right let's get to some stuff here's something good this uh bill only has six sponsors but i really like it uh this was one of my uh Initial things that I did when I first uh, started waking up and realizing, gee, things are uh, really bad, and uh, now I'm figuring out why and what some of the problems are. And the United Nations was one of the first things. So I'm really, really glad to see this after 25 years or so that there is a bill, H.R. 193, Bill to End Membership of the United States and the United Nations. Yeah, I will post the uh, the link in the uh, chat room because it's lengthy and I'm not going to go through all of it because it's really just uh, lots of words to say we're out of the UN. Now, one thing I don't like about it is, is it does give two years from passage to take effect. I guess that's, uh, you know, time to clear their crap out, whatever. But it's... Um, Repeal of the United Nations Headquarters Agreement Act. The United States withdraws from the agreement between the United States of America and the United Nations regarding the headquarters of the United Nations. Yeah. You know what that means? Find a new place to be. You're not you're not having your headquarters in the United States anymore. You know why? Because we're getting out of the UN. That's why. Yeah, United States assessed voluntary contributions to the United Nations. No funds are authorized to be appropriated. United Nations peacekeeping operation. Termination. No funds are authorized to be appropriated. Yeah. Termination of United States participation in United Nations peacekeeping operations. No funds may be obligated. Withdrawal of the United Nations presence and facilities of the government of the United States and repeal of diplomatic immunity. Woohoo! I love this bill. H.R. 193. Hey, man, call your senator. Call your congressman. It's a House of Representatives bill. So really hammer up your representatives and say, look, why why isn't your name on H.R. 193, huh? Are you some kind of communist? Ask them. Are you some kind of communist? Because you know what? The United Nations, and and this isn't fake news or propaganda. You can go through the documentation of history and find out that the United Nations was created by the worldwide communist revolution. Yeah. 
I'm telling you, folks, getting out of the United Nations would be a, a great thing for America. And you know what else? It'd be a great thing for the rest of the world. Because the United Nations is, is they have never done anything good for anybody except themselves. And, of course, when you say anybody, anytime, anywhere, you're always wrong. I get that. There are always exceptions. So perhaps that's an exaggeration. They have done nothing for 90% of the people. Anywhere, ever. And I think it's probably even higher. Because all the things where they go, Oh, look, we put a well in a, in a, in a village in Africa somewhere, and now they can get clean, fresh water. You know, that's a photo op. Okay, that's nothing but a photo op. The problem with Africa is not they don't have wells, they don't have electricity, they don't have this. The problem with Africa is they don't have a culture that will support any kind of advancements. Okay, they just don't have the culture. Their culture is to, oh, sure, we'll take the handouts, and then we'll let them just fall to pieces and rot to the ground, and if nobody comes and fixes it for us, then, well, now we'll sit here and complain that we're starving, we don't have any water, we can't do anything because the stuff you gave us, well, you didn't come and maintain it. You didn't run it for us. You didn't do everything for us. So it broke, and it's broken down, and now we don't have anything, and we need things. That's their culture in Africa. And hey, you know what? I have no problem with that. If you don't want to advance, don't advance. Live in straw huts and, uh, you know, wander on down to the river and get some water and, and, and have a nice, slow, peaceful life. Hey, might be better. You know, but you're at least going to have to figure out how to feed yourselves. If you can't do that, you're too stupid to live. And that's none of my business anyway, because I don't live in Africa. Africa's not my country. It's not my continent. Why do I care? Do what you want in Africa. Oh, but you see, the problem is Africa has a lot of natural resources that are greedy bastards in, oh, that are controlling the government. They want that, okay? They want that. So that's why they're there. They're not there to help any African people. Are you kidding me? They just assume kill all the African people to get them out of their way so they can go rob their stuff easier. Why do you think they prop up these tin pan dictators in all across Africa and give them weapons and, and, <laughs> and so they will go kill their people so we can look like the good guys? Well, we're just giving them money and helping them out and they're look at them, they're killing each other. Oh my gosh, oh gee, this is terrible. Well, you're the one that put in the dictators. You're the one that gave them all the money and weapons to kill all their people. What'd you expect them to do when you said, listen, We'll give you all this money, we'll give you all this stuff, and uh, in return, all we want is uh, access to them uranium mines. Oh, yeah, and uh, cheap labor. So you make that happen, we'll keep the money rolling. Well, their culture in Africa is that, okay, you got a deal, Uncle Sam. Tell you what, great. Money comes rolling in, they buy weapons, they go out and they start grabbing people and saying, hey, guess what? 
You're going to work in the uranium mine. Or, see what we'll do to your family? We'll kill all of them. We'll kill everybody in the whole village. You, able-bodied men, are coming to the uranium mines. Where they, of course, are worked to death. And then the dictator goes out and gets some more. This is all because Uncle Sam wants that uranium. Uncle Sam wants those minerals. Uncle Sam wants that booty. But we don't want to come in and just kill everybody ourselves, so we we set up a tin pan dictator, and he goes out and kills everybody for us and supplies us with cheap labor and all their resources. And the people get nothing. And this has been going on for forever. But then again, Africa, as is pointed out in the chat room, hey, has an awful lot in common with American cities. Why? Because American cities are populated with blacks. Why? Because they went there thinking, well, we're going to get jobs. That was a long time ago. So there they are in the cities, and there's no jobs anymore. So what happens? Well, the government says, okay, there's no jobs because we've given them all to the Chinese and Mexicans. So what we'll do is we'll just send you a check every month, and you can live in this apartment here, and uh, there you go. Oh, okay. Well, that sounds pretty nice. Oh, yeah, and one other thing. Uh, The check will keep coming, and the free housing is there, but you can't have a husband. Uncle Sam's got to be your husband. Oh, okay, so now the children are being raised with no fathers by a welfare slug sitting at home, smoking crack, watching TV all day, just waiting for her check to come, buying jewelry for herself while her children go hungry. And this isn't every welfare recipient, but it's enough of them. You know why? Because it's the culture. That's why. That's the culture. Same culture. See, people are not the same. I'm sorry. You can say what you well, you're a white uh, white nationalist bigot. Well, whatever. But the bottom line is Africa has a culture that is not the same as say the European culture, especially not the Northern European culture. Just not the same. Never has been, never will be. You know, I I mean, it's just not. And look, I don't have a problem with that. I don't have any need to go to Africa and make the Africans be just like we are. I don't have a need for that. If you want to live the way you want to live, then fine. But you know what? You are going to have to figure out how to feed yourselves. This is simply a basic requirement of life. It's not even a cultural thing, okay? There are some things where, look, hey, in this case, culture doesn't matter. Like being able to feed yourself, it doesn't matter. I don't care what you want to grow, how you want to eat, but you've got to do something. And if you can't do that, well, then you can't live. You know, fighting a war, same thing. I don't care what your culture is. We got this thing to do, and it doesn't matter what you think and who you are and what you'd like and how you feel. It means we got to go to war with these people over here, and we need to win or be killed. So uh, I don't care how you feel. Just like feeding yourself. 
look, I don't care how you feel about it. You're going to have to feed yourself or you're going to die because, hey, no more handouts. This whole BS about, well, we want to give a hand up, not a handout. Well, that's a nice idea, and it would have been fine, and I have no problem with that. Like, for hey, welfare, unemployment, all those things I don't have a problem with. The problem I have is they're never-ending, okay? They're never-ending. Look, I would say, okay... For one thing, I would make a rule, hey, food stamps are only for food. And I don't care if it's prepared food or not. Food. It has to be food, though. Can't be cigarettes or booze or, you know, anything else. But I would say, yeah, okay, welfare. All right, you're in a jam. 90 days. Unemployment, 90 days. Everybody gets 90 days a year. You know, if they lose their job, they can go on unemployment. They can get welfare for 90 days. You see, that is a stopgap. That's an idea that, look, bad things happen to people sometimes, and, uh, you know, you need a little help. You need a little net. Okay, I I don't have any problem with that. But it has to end. You can't just from this day on say, well, I lost my job five years ago and, uh, you know, I'm still sucking off the government teeth because, well, hey, there hasn't been that job that I really wanted, you know. This is the snowflake mentality. Yeah, there's jobs out there, but they're not really what I want. So I'll just keep sucking off the government teeth. You see, if there's a deadline saying, yeah, go ahead, suck away, buddy. You got 90 days per year, meaning you lose your job. And let's just say you're on welfare for 30 days. Okay, good. Then you get a job, you're off welfare, you're back to work. You still have 60 days for that year. I don't mind helping people out, but there has to be an end to it. Help is help. Dependence is not help, okay? You know, and I'd love to say, like a lot of people believe, and I believe it too, but it's just, you know, we got to take we gotta take baby steps, folks, because we didn't get in this mess all of a sudden, and we're not going to get out of it all of a sudden. A lot of people say, well, the churches ought to be taking care of that. And you're right. The churches ought to be taking care of that. But why should a church take care of somebody who's not even a member of their church? Why should a church take care of somebody who doesn't even believe in God? They shouldn't. Oh, so what about those people? Well, you know, after time, over a while, uh, I'd say, screw them. But as for right now... You know, we have real problems. And I'll tell you another thing. Everybody's so content to sit on welfare that nobody's outraged about sending all our jobs away to other countries. This is what's happened. Why should I get excited? Go ahead, give my job away. I'd rather stay home and collect money anyway. Oh, okay. Look, Another thing, though, 
the minimum wage rise is is it sounds good it seems to make sense but it doesn't it won't work it, it i mean look at what okay look at what mcdonald's is doing for instance oh you got to pay us 15 bucks an hour oh do i no i don't you're all fired i'm putting a kiosk here and robots that's it now there aren't any jobs for you here all right it's the same thing that happens with obamacare well, you know, if you work over 30 hours a week, uh, you've got to, the the employer has to cover you for Obamacare. So every employer in America said, "Oh yeah, hey, guess what, everybody? Your 40 hours a week just came down to 29 and a half hours a week. That's all you're working here." And what do you think would happen? I mean, honestly, what did you figure? These people are in business. They're there to make money. They're not your mommy and daddy. Oh, well, I couldn't do that. That wouldn't be fair to my employees. Gee, I think I'll just go out of business instead so I can take care of them for a few years, and then we can all go bankrupt. No, business doesn't think that way. So they, they cut everybody's hours down to 29 hours. But what did the government do? Instead of saying, uh-oh, this was a mistake. This didn't work out the way we wanted. No. They used it to their advantage and said, oh, hey, look, now at now as all those people used to have 40-hour-a-week jobs, have 29-hour-a-week jobs, they had to go get another job, and unemployment came down, and woohoo! isn't that great? Look at all these jobs we created. Well, they didn't create any jobs. We lost jobs. And people who used to have a job had to go out and get two or three jobs. That's what they've done. So the thing is, look, whatever they're doing doesn't work. And can they actually be that stupid? No, they're not that stupid. They would like us to believe they're that stupid. Because, see, as long as we're thinking they're stupid morons that can't do anything right, that's all they are, stupid morons that can't do anything right. But if we look at the reality of it and come to the conclusion that they're treasonous bastard criminals that are screwing us all over for their own benefit, well, that's going to be a lot worse for them than just, oh, you're a stupid idiot that can't do anything right. Do you see why they don't mind us thinking they're stupid idiots that they can't do anything right? Because it's better than the alternative, which is you're a treasonous bastard that should be hanging from the end of a rope. That's the alternative to, oh, they're just too stupid and they can't do anything. They're not stupid. They're playing us. But anyway, here's something in Virginia to close the show out. A Virginia group says it's going to publish a list of businesses that are accused of being openly hostile to supporters of President Trump. I think that is wonderful. I think that is so good. I think people should do that all across the country. Start making lists of all the businesses that are not supporting, well, I don't care about not supporting, but are hostile towards the administration. And, it's, and, and see, that carries over to hostile towards customers that supports the administration. People should know. People should be fully informed on, hey, where's this business stand? 
Because, you see, I'm going to spend my money. Shouldn't I have full disclosure on what you're about before I spend money here? Because you know what? If you don't see things my way, why should I spend any money at your place? You know what? There's plenty of places out there that do just what you do, and I can go there and find out, hey, oh, you do? You support it? Well, so do I. I think I'll spend my money here. I think it's great. I think we should all keep track, keep our eyes open, post it anywhere you can. You know, somebody really ought to get a uh, repository online to put all these businesses that are communist, you know, like Amazon, for instance. Oh, I know. Nobody's giving up Amazon anytime soon, but maybe we ought to think about it. Hmm? Anyway, yeah, and I just, you know, just a month ago, my uh, my Prime renewed, so, uh, you know, be a year before I'm done with them, but I don't think I'm going to renew next year. Anyhow, I got to go. We got great stuff coming up. I'll be back again tonight if you want to hear more. And uh, as always, thanks for listening. Political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. about where your next meal will come from if the power is out for an extended period of time? I'd like to suggest Numana Foods, a family-owned business with a passion for food quality and taste, as well as long-term storage reliability. Numana.com. Check them out for your family's health and security. Food so good tasting and good for you, it can be eaten every day. Standard buckets are GMO-free, contain no aspartame, high fructose corn syrup, autolyzed yeast extract, chemical preserve, or soy. You can be confident your Numana meals will be there for you and your family when you need them during an emergency. Numana.com, a nutritionally healthy way to prepare for any disaster. That's Numana.com. N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com.
cannot afford to eat or keep a roof over their head. Too many can do neither. Messiah's Branch has a mission church in Wichita, Kansas that helps the victims of this banker's economy, the American people, your neighbors. The mission is the last hope for so many Americans. We need your help to lift up the poorest of the poor. These are men, women, and children who once had homes, now in the street. They all need what you need. First aid, beds, food, clothing, and so on. You can send a monetary gift or a box of necessities to 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 66851. Or donate online by going to wichitahomeless.com. Or simply call 316-619-619. 416-619-4886. Welcome to the Messiah's Branch Broadcast, a one-hour promise program on the American Voice Radio Network. Featuring Pastor Dan of the Messiah's Branch Ministry. And now, here's Pastor Dan. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
worry about where your next meal will come from if the power is out for an extended period of time, I'd like to suggest Numana Foods, a family-owned business with a passion for food quality and taste, as well as long-term storage reliability. Numana.com. Check them out for your family's health and security. Food so good tasting and good for you, it can be eaten every day. Standard buckets are GMO-free, contain no aspartame, high fructose corn syrup, autolyzed yeast extract, chemical preservatives, or soy. You can be confident your Numana meals will be there for you and your family when you need them during an emergency. Numana.com, a nutritionally healthy way to prepare for any disaster. That's Numana.com, N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. Greetings, saints, and welcome to the Messiah's Branch Prophecy Hour. We're broadcasting live from the Plain Hills of Kansas, and we're on the American Voice Radio Network. Today's date is January 26, 2017. The world is in turmoil. Most just don't realize it, but we are in that time at the end. And that's the time before Messiah's glorious return. So it's time to get out of sin, the world, and look to the holy city. Look to the one who suffered and died for you. Hear the sound of the shofar. Heed the warning. Get right now before it's too late. Please make this choice tonight. If you need help after this program, call me. I'll pray for you or with you. If you get the machine, please leave your name, your number, your prayer request, and or message. The phone number, of course, is 620-878-4682. And an emergency, my cell phone number is 316-619-4886. You can always find updates with the breaking news, the Wichita Mission Church, radio program archives, and contact information, all these things at our ministry web, which is very simply prophecyhour.com. If you, you can find out anything out, at our uh, hub. Anyway, remember, prayer requests can be sent by the United States Postal Service and email with your return address and your phone number so we can call you back. These requests will be taken to Wichita Mission Church and one with all prayed over and sent back to you at your request with no solicitation for donations. As my wife says, I get rid of the address. Now, remember, we are a national satellite radio program, which is also simulcast live on the net internationally. It's also live right now on YouTube and some FM stations. So please pray about supporting airtime. Airtime isn't free. Um, I know it's free for you to just turn on the radio, but it costs to put this on the air. And this ministry sells no product. We only are here because of your donations. And speaking of people, I want to thank uh, people in our listener base, which is worldwide. Places like Jerusalem, Israel, Tokyo, Japan, Manila, Philippines, Nairobi, Kenya, Cape Town, South Africa, Westminster, London, United Kingdom, Santiago, Chile, um, Moscow, Russia. Of course, cities right here in the United States, such as Houston, Texas, Washington, D.C. You know, we're getting an awful lot of people starting to listen to us in Washington, D.C. I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. 
But anyway, New Orleans, Louisiana, Lexington, Kentucky, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Raleigh, North Carolina, Tampa, Florida, Long Beach, California. That's a long list. Maybe I'll shorten it next time. Anyway, as well as Wichita, Kansas, which remains the largest group of listeners to our radio programs when they go to podcast later tonight. Um, just one second. Well, folks, I got a cold, so I had to turn it down there for a second. I don't think all of you wanted to hear my sneezing. In fact, the program was a little bit delayed because I had to sneeze, and I turned down my volume, and guess what? I was talking, and nobody could hear me. That's why I keep chuckling. Oh, well, but that's live radio, and I love live radio. I wouldn't want to do pre-recorded radio for nothing. Anyway, now prayer will bring on tonight's guests and see if we still got the patience to be over there. Dear Heavenly Father, and Yeshua HaMashiach's name, I pray. Father, I pray that radio tonight goes according to your will and not mine, because, Father, I don't know how to do anything. And so I just ask that you take control so what comes out is what you want to come out and not us. And please give everyone out there ears in which to hear the truth and, well, discern the truth. In Yeshua HaMashiach's name, amen and amen. Well, tonight's guest is Pastor Carl Bangouts. I know, folks, it's been a couple months, it seems like, since he's been on, but he is a best-selling author, senior pastor since 1987 talk radio host, heard nationally and internationally, TV and radio guest commentator, former decorated Florida law enforcement officer, founder of PNN, that's P.P. Simmons News and Ministry Network, the member of the Board of Regents and the University of Mobile in Mobile, Alabama. And Carl has written four books now, The Rabbi Who Found Messiah, The Story of Yitzhar Kaderi and His Prophecies of the End Time, Magic Man in the Sky, Final Warning, Be Thou Prepared, and his latest book is When the Lion Roars. Now, I imagine we're going to talk about that book at some point tonight, but we've got some other things to talk about. So let's just welcome Carl back. Are you still with me, Carl? Yes, sir. I'm still here. Man, I've written five books, but who's counting? Five. <laughs> Which one am I missing? I was looking at that list. I don't know. I, do, I have written five books, but I'm just jerking your chain, man. I love you so much, Pastor Dan. Thanks for having me well, on. Yeah, I'd love to have you on, Carl. And, you know, I... Uh, I start you and you know usually I try to have you on at least once a month. Yeah, you haven't been on for a little bit. Well, you know that's because there, at least with our radio program, when it gets into the holiday season, you know there's a slowdown in listeners, you know, and yeah, and yeah. so I just kind of coast through that time, you know, and I don't, I'm not saying waste of time, but I, you know my major guest people like you and things, I don't like to bring on during that slowdown because, you know, there's a lot of people just not listening, you know? Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. Well, brother, <laughs> I'm used to a lot of people not listening to me. <laughs> well, Dan, you know, hey, brother, I'd be honored to come on your show anytime. If it's you and me and five listeners, brother, I'm happy. Yeah, amen. I was, uh, of course, I have your website up, you know, and I'm looking at all your stuff flashing by. And for the record, uh, tell the, the folks what this Freedom Friday thing is, because you interview guests, you have a, a you do a program like. Tell them oh, yeah. about that. I don't oh, think yeah. we've I've ever been, been a talk to Yeah, I've been a talk radio host for 14 years on a on-air uh, radio station, WEBY Gulf Coast Talk Radio. We, we reach portions of four states on the Gulf Coast. It's 25,000 watt channel, the most powerful. AM station from Tampa to New Orleans, and um, been doing it for 14 years, as I said. We also stream live over the Internet, and we podcast the show. It's on every Friday tomorrow afternoon uh, from 
5 to 7 p.m. Eastern time. And um, and then I'm on three other times a week on various shows on that radio station, Ask the Preacher and Open Mic and as a co-host, Ask the Preacher as the host. And so people can just go to my website, carlgallops.com, and just follow the links, Freedom Friday and other links. And, I mean, there's just – you could be on my site for hours watching videos, reading articles, listening to podcasts. It's just – it's quite amazing, the stuff that's there. Yeah, amen. You know, I was looking at your podcast or your website, um, blog, whatever you want to call it nowadays. I don't even know what to call them nowadays. I was pointing out to a person that's helping me starting to do some upgrades on my things, and I said, "This is you see this site. This is a site that I w- I would like. To, I know I can't get just like it, but I would. I like the way that you have so much interaction with things, and everything is really easy to find." Thank you. Thank you. You're so kind to say that. Well, listen, you can make it just like mine if you want. I don't care. I, <laughs> brother, I mean, you're my brother, man, and I tell you, I, I, I'm, I'm honored that you would even want to uh, emulate it at all. But, yeah, I've, tr- I've tried, you know, I've, I, I've worked on it over the years to try to make it just what you said, easy to find, bright and colorful, a lot of interaction. And um, what a lot of people may not know, but I think when you look at it, you can tell. But under a lot of these links are are is changing material. So even though you might go to it today and come back a month later, and the page kind of looks the same, um, it's really not. If you take a close look at it, there are different things. But also, when you click on some of those links, you'll find that those are playlists and videos have been added, or articles have been added, and. So it's just it's always fresh, always fresh. Yeah, amen. It, it's really good, and you got a couple of good interviews up there. Um, for, excuse me, right now I'm by, I'm fighting a cold, so if I That's sound okay, bad okay. anyway, um, you just did it. I did an interview with this man myself, Leo, and I don't know how to pronounce his name. Leo Holman. Oh, what a great guy! Award-winning journalist. He's a good friend of mine. Yeah. Yeah, and we're going to do – I hadn't read his book yet. I, I was supposed to have Joseph Farrell on, and then it got up to the day, and Joe, uh, Joseph had to do something else, and so they gave me Leo. And uh, so I hadn't read his book yet, you know. I hadn't had a chance to read the book. And we had a really good uh, really good interview. I really liked the guy, and uh, they're, sp- they're sending me a copy of his book, and uh, we're going to do another interview with him afterwards. Yeah. But tell us about what all he revealed to you. Let's, why don't we go into that? Yeah, okay. Yeah, you should have him on every time you can get him. I mean, he's just – listen, I've known him for a long time, and he's a solid man. And uh, so anyway, but um, – Excuse me. Yeah, he's just he's listen. His he's an award-winning journalist, a best-selling author, uh, one of the senior staff writers at WND.com, the largest Christian news website in the world, and one of the largest just news websites uh, in America, one of the top largest news websites. And and he's a writer for them. Um, but his expertise is in the study of of European geopolitical affairs and particularly as it relates to the spread of Islam. This guy's a brainiac when it comes to that stuff and he's been following it for decades and of course you can imagine uh <laughs> you know where he is now with this because of what's happening in Europe and so he's written this book called Stealth Invasion and he's talking about how Europe it's it is the Crusades all over again. It's the Ottoman Empire. The, the, the Muslims are invading Europe, but they're doing it in a stealth-like fashion. They're doing it through Arab Spring and a, quote, refugee crisis and a Trojan horse 
tactics, and millions of people are flooding across Europe's borders. The European Union, of course, has such porous borders, trying to be a little globalist society, you know, and now they're paying the price because the Muslims are coming in by the millions, and they're invading, and they're setting up communities, and then they start demanding, you know, uh, handouts and rights and Sharia law, and, and they're taking over communities. Some of them are running for office and, and, and installing themselves in places of leadership, and they're taking over Europe. And, and they're doing it not necessarily at the edge of the sword or in a traditional war, but they have invaded. And, yeah. and, he's, and he warns that um, the same thing is happening to America and is going to happen to America, just like in Europe, if we don't get a grip on it. And I know that Donald Trump is getting a grip, and he's a whole lot, I mean, a million times better than Obama. Obama was causing it a million times better than Hillary, who said she would continue it. But some of us, and you notice I use the word us, still believe that Trump quite isn't handling it as hard as he should at least that's what it appears i mean we don't we don't know what he's really pulling strings behind the curtains right but the thing is brother we're in a mess i mean the fbi is already tracking isis cells in all 50 states and there are thousands of islamic operatives in our nation that the department of homeland security under obama's administration printed a a, a, a warning, I guess you'd say, and, and right. that said that they don't know we we don't know where they are. They're in the United States, but we don't know where. They're just waiting, and and so Leo documents all of this and so much more, and he documents the history behind it, the philosophy behind it. So that book, Stealth Invasion, is amazing, and Leo's an amazing guy. And as you can tell, I really believe in his work and in ministry. And he's a Christian. He's a believer. Yeah, amen. Yeah, we 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 had a really good conversation, but you know, back to that during during Obama, he there's already a huge amount of Muslims in here right now yeah. that you know aren't necessarily. I'm I'm not saying they're all bad, but right. the ones that were brought in that, like you say, they were dropped off at bus stops in different places around the country. Yes, and there's actually even training camps around yeah. the country. So even if Obama, so what do you think? Even if Trump stopped immediately all of them from coming in the border, or not the border, but, you know, through visas or refugee or whatever, maybe it's a little too late? Well, I, you know, statistically, you would almost have to say, it's, listen, guys, it's too late. You know, there, there are tens and tens, hundreds of thousands of Muslims. They're not now. Not all of them are trying to kill us. Some of them are just glad as they can be to be here. They escaped living hell. But it doesn't take tens of thousands to destroy us. Look what the two did out in San Bernardino, California. Two, a man and a woman, slaughtered at a Christmas party uh, in, 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 in an office complex, slaughtered a dozen people or more. Just two. So can you imagine? Thousands pick the day to start driving truck bombs into major city centrals or into buildings or into schoolyards. Uh, I, I mean, so, and then when you consider that there are tens of thousands of them here that were not properly vetted, I mean, State Department has already admitted that. Um, brother, we're, we're in a mess, so there's a temptation to say it might be too late. But on the other hand, I say seize the day. Seize the day. God has given us some breathing room with his supernatural Amen. hand of protection and wisdom and discernment. He can show us these people 
we can we can stop a lot of mayhem. Uh, we can stop uh, the dam from flooding right now. Uh, more than just sticking your finger in a hole, we can build the wall. <laughs> we can strengthen our immigration policies. We can enforce them. We can turn loose our law enforcement to do their job. I mean, we can we can make it so miserable on the immigrants, the refugees that are here and that don't have citizenship and that are that are uh, sucking off of our system that that they will want to leave. I mean, there are all kind of things we can do. So, yeah, statistically, we may be too far gone. It may be the judgment of God upon our nation. You know, the Bible speaks of the fact that God uses border collapse as one of his judgments, and and he did that with Israel. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but let, let, let's talk about the. I, I've got a couple of thoughts that I want to bounce off of you here in a second. But yeah, um, I don't. You know, meeting too late uh, with me is is just you know my wonderment is because I do look at the statistics and I and I've interviewed people that are you know border agents and and people that do nothing but deal with immigration and things and the the, the numbers are just would really blow your mind. So my real thought is 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 why haven't they we we've had uh, i'm not calling them minor we have had some terrorism inside the united states but it really makes you wonder why we haven't had more of it carl why i mean why do you think i'm because they are here yeah i think i can i think I, i i can say number one we do have it's multifaceted. First of all, it's just the hand of God. I mean, it's like the snakes in the wilderness that uh, came upon the children of Israel. God didn't create those snakes. They didn't fall out of the sky. They were always there. God had just held his hand back until the children of Israel stuck their thumb in God's face one too many times, and the Lord removed his hand of protection, and the snakes overwhelmed them. Does that make sense? And yeah. So, so part of the reason why is the hand of protection of God. The snakes are among us. They're not going to drop out of the air. They're already here. Uh, part of it is God's hand. I mean, it's, it's all because of God's hand of protection. But, but now let's speak at the human level. First of all, we do have a, a very active element in our federal law enforcement that do uh, – they stay on top of this. They continual, continual surveillance and, and, and investigation, et cetera. That helps a lot. That, that, that thwarts a lot of – problems and attempts. Second of all, this is relatively new to us. We're still learning how to do this. I mean, Israel knows how to do it. In 60, 70 years, they, <laughs> I mean, they're the world's experts. And so maybe we, Absolutely. instead of fighting Israel and jabbing our finger in their eyes, we need to get our people over there to say, look, teach us how to do this, because we're, we're in the same situation you are now. And another reason is there's something about America that's unique to the rest of the world. And I'm not trying to to challenge Satan here, and I'm not being braggadocious and sticking our chest out, but the bottom line is, brother, we got 150 million of us. Half this nation is armed, and about half of that half is armed to the teeth. I'm telling you, listen, I don't consider myself a person that keeps an armory, or I'm not even a gun-collecting nut. Not When I say nut, I'm not saying that disparagingly. I'm just saying I'm, I'm – but on the other hand, I've been in law enforcement. I'm 60 years old. I'm a hunter since I was 15. So I have a large collection of guns now over the yeah, years. People have given them as gifts. I've bought them in my law enforcement career for various things. I've bought them in my hunting hobby. Um, I've bought up ammunition over the years, not trying to store it up to fight a war. Right, it's just right. that, I, I just, you know, and so there right. are millions of us like that, and they know that, brother. 
Okay, we, we're going to have to go to break in about 30 seconds. Tell them where you're at, and we'll go to break. Okay, carlgallops.com, carlgallops.com. Well, folks, really go over there and check out his, his we'll call it a website, I guess. Um, anyway, go over there and ch- check it out. It's what does that mean? Over there. Well, I don't know, because some people call them blogs, and then some people oh, call yeah. them websites. And you're, you're, uh, anyway, I, yeah. I'm I'm not ahead in all the technology, okay? Yeah, anyway, okay. go to Carl Gallup's site, carlgallops.com. He's got lots of stuff there. We'll be back in three minutes. <laughs> function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. online. 
Well, we're back. This is Pastor Dan Catlin, and you're listening to Messiah's Branch Prophecy Hour on the American Voice Radio Network. Well, folks, uh, um, we're in a new year. Amen. Praise the Father. And I really look, I am looking forward to, I believe that we're going to have a prosperous year. I think that by midsummer, and this isn't thus saith the Lord, this is, you know, kind of thus saith Pastor Dan, but I really believe the economy is going to be screaming by about mid-year. Pray for that. But, you know, the reason I bring up the economy is because, you know, we watched over the last eight years the economy go so much further and further down. Well, they talk about unemployment being – or, you know, unemployment rates being down. I see it firsthand. We have so many people that have been having to work part-time jobs or couldn't find any job at all. They come to us looking for food, clothing, over-the-counter medications, and, you know, because they don't – Agencies, yeah, there's lots of agencies, you say, but agencies have little checklist sheets, you know, and they go down this little checklist sheet, and if you miss one thing not answered properly, well, then they can't help you. And so they send people to us, you know, because they know that it's just our guidelines that's stopping them. And we are a place, let's go with this, you know. Um, we don't have any set guidelines like programs. People just walk in the door and ask for what they need. That's our rule. We don't have a checklist sheet. All we do is ask them what they need, and I weigh it out, hear their story. And in a lot of cases, it's just food or clothing or whatever. We have it handy. Of course, we have a closed closet. They just go over and get it. Um, other things that we don't have, we talk about it and pray it in. So there's the point. Um, we don't have all those guidelines, but yet we also really don't have much of a budget because it goes like this. This is why agencies tell their employees about the Father's Little Mission Church. You see, when guidelines stop those people from helping them, they send people to us. People who have millions of dollars in their budget send people to a place that really has no budget. You know, we are the last hope for many, so many, and we are responsible to care one for another, as we are brothers keepers. All donations, no matter what size, helps. And the Father notices all donations that come from where? Your heart. And if you don't wish to help with a donation for the poor, please consider a donation for radio airtime. Because, again, we don't sell anything. And so airtime isn't free, at least for us. You get to hear us for free. But for us, we have to pay for it. So pray about it. You can donate online or mail a check or money order. And you can find all this information at prophecyhour.com. That's prophecyhour.com. And if you don't wish to help with the floor, again, consider a donation for radio airtime. And now we're back with Pastor Carl Gallops. Are you with us, Carl? I'm here, Pastor Dan. Thank you again for having me. Oh, well, I'm fighting this silly cold. Anyway, um, Carl, let's, you know, let's go with this. Right after, I don't know about you, but right after uh, the election and Trump won, Hillary didn't come into office. Among the prophecy world, so to speak, you know, prophecy speakers and things, so many had banked on, um, you know, another uh, Obama world through Hillary uh, or worse, which I believe would have been worse. It seems like so many of them have just they're, – they're not talking because uh, this happened, and, like, they don't know where Bible prophecy is at. That's where your book comes in. Um, tell us about your book, because there's so much out there. Just because Hillary didn't get office didn't change the world in Bible prophecy. And this book, The Lion Roars, which is a magnificent book, addresses that. 
Thank you. Yeah. No, listen, I want your audience to know I am a positive guy. I'm not one of these guys that runs around with a sign, the world is ending, the world is ending. But look, I was a cop for 10 years. I was an investigator. Um, I've been a pastor for over 30 years in one church. Uh, and, 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 and so, you know, I, I've got 40 years of life experience and watching the Word of God unfold, watching geopolitical events, watching the world change, watching technology reach an explosive uh, exponential curve of growth, and then comparing all of that to the Scriptures. And listen, since the return of Israel, which has been less than 70 years, our world has exploded with several dozen specific biblical prophecies that the Word of God, Jesus spoke a lot of them, says would happen in the very last days before the return of the Lord. Now, I'm not a date setter. I'm not a... Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. I heard a lot of noise. I thought maybe I'd lost you. Um, but I'm not a date setter. I'm not a sensationalist. I'm not an alarmist. But I'm just telling your audience... We're living in the most profoundly prophetic time since the first coming of Jesus Christ. Now, in the meantime, you say, well, what about Trump? Look what's going on. It's wonderful. Yeah, he's been in office five days. Um, I can tell you all the powers of hell hate him, and coming against him, the globalists hate him. The U.N. had an emergency meeting to step up its agenda 2030, which, which one of the things that it says in there is that by the year 2030, they're going to have every man, woman, and boy and girl on the planet identified, marked with biometrics and cataloged in computers. I mean, that sounds like the mark of the beast kind of technology. Um, the, the globalists have gone crazy. The Brexit vote, the Trump election, the globalist, which is, by the way, the uh, kingdom and power of the Antichrist. It is demonic. They are out of their minds right now. So I'm not wishing anything bad to happen, but brother, this Trump's presence, his uh, his love for Israel, his moving of the embassy to Jerusalem, the building of the wall, the stopping of the flood of Islam into the United States and probably into Europe, the realigning of nations and his desire to get along with Russia, his desire to bring Israel back into our arms, all of these things could spark off a World War III. I mean, it could. And I don't want it to. I pray it doesn't. That's all in the Lord's hands. But geopolitical wranglings, the ebb and flow, the tide goes in and out with that. So we can't look at a few days or even a few months or even a couple of years and say, okay, all the danger has passed. Everything's lovely. Trump has saved us. No, Donald Trump is not the savior of America. For a hundred years, brother, we have stuck our finger in God's face. We've taught our children they come from monkeys. We've acted sexually like animals and monkeys. We don't know what a marriage is anymore. We don't know what children's boundaries are with sexuality anymore. We don't know what a man is, or we don't know what a woman is. We don't know what the genders are. We, we, don't, we don't know what a transsexual is. That, is that, what, what, what in the world is that? We, 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 we don't know the border of the womb. We've, we've killed 60-something million of our own children and still going. Um, and it goes on and on. And so when we break those borders down of our hearts and our souls, we turn against God for a hundred years, then the Lord causes our physical borders, our geographical borders, our boundary markers to be moved and for our enemies to come in amongst us and to destroy us. That's what he allowed to happen to the nation of Israel. 
I mean, the Bible records that, records the words of God saying, because you have turned your back on me in every way, I have opened your borders. I've brought your enemies in among you. So, so I tell your audience, look, don't lay back and get fat and happy and get your lattes and watch your football games and say, okay, Donald Trump won, Hillary Clinton didn't, wonderful, wonderful, everything's lovely, we're now saved, now we can go back to fighting over the color of the carpet in the church. No. These are the most profoundly prophetic times we have lived in since the first coming of Jesus Christ. Donald Trump figures into it. I am convinced he's a part of it. I am convinced God is using him. I am convinced. But this story is not over with yet. Christians need to be vigilant. We've been raised up for such a time as this. We need to be the salt. We need to be the light. We need to get engaged, stay engaged, and understand this is spiritual war. And uh, we need to pray for, for Donald Trump. If, if, you, if you like what, what he and his administration are doing, they're finally applying common sense to government and, and borders and abortion and industry and the economy and Obamacare and the military and, and on and on and on I can go. They're just applying common sense. They're doing right. what any of us would have done if we were the president. Uh, and look how it's changing the nation for positive so quickly. But I'm telling you, the powers of hell, the globalists, the liberals, the communists, they are out of their minds. So, Absolutely. I mean, yeah, he's in danger. We're in danger. And the, these are very precarious times. So I'm a positive person. Get out there, love life, enjoy your family, plan for the future, mow the grass, pay the bills, do everything we're supposed to do. But keep your head on your shoulders, keep your eyes on Jesus, and know that we're living in very prophetic times. The Middle East is on fire. We don't know what Russia and China and Iran and Turkey are going to do, and Israel's sitting in the middle of it, and Donald Trump's getting ready to move the embassy to Jerusalem. So, so anyway, <laughs> that's, brother, that, that's my quick war. speech. Um, l let me give you a couple of things. Number one, uh, what I was uh, going to point out, um, but I'm going to shorten it because I'm a cold, but uh, something I really liked in your book, uh, you talk about uh, how, and I think this really addresses a key issue of what we're talking about. You know, in the Bible, we see how uh, a prophetic event happens. And then there's kind of like a time lag, you know, because, you know, we, we uh, as modern society, we're used to seeing things. Well, we want things to happen in succession. This happens. We want it to happen, blah, 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 blah. But that isn't the way the fodder works. It'll happen, and then there'll be kind of like a, a, a lag. You address that in your book. You remember I, what I'm talking yes, about. I do. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. I've been preaching and teaching this for 30 years. And I felt like I couldn't get anybody to listen to me because people were so wrapped up in ourselves. But now people are beginning to get it. But the point you're making is this. So we wander through this life for our little 50, 60, 70, 80 years, if we're blessed. And we think the whole world revolves around our little 50, 60, 70 years. We think the whole world revolves around us. We think the whole world revolves around our nation. And that's not how the Father works. The whole world revolves around his word, his declarations. It centers in the Middle East and in Israel, and it goes out from there. Can he use America? Yes, and he has. Will he continue to use us? He may. Will he bless us and protect us? He might, although we don't deserve it. But the point is that when those prophecies were uttered, brother, they were uttered 2,500 years ago, 3,000 years ago. But here's the illustration I use in the book, and I want to use it on the radio very quickly. Here's just one illustration of how this works. 
all the way back in Genesis 3, when God himself proclaimed in the garden, the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. I mean, there's a messianic prophecy given by God himself in the beginning. So thousands, 6,000 years ago, maybe, God spoke those words. And then down through the years, here come the Israelites, and then here come the prophets, and then here come the prophecies, and then here comes the Word of God. And then most of those prophecies are about the coming Messiah, the coming Messiah. So they're looking for the coming Messiah. But a thousand years goes by. A thousand years, brother. The United States of America has only been a nation 241 years. A thousand years goes by when David has Psalm 22 vision that they've pierced my hands and my feet. They gamble for the clothing under under me. My the roof, my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. I thirst. I mean, that's Jesus on the cross. David saw him a thousand years before. And then it moves forward. And then there are all the prophecies about, behold, the virgin shall be with child and should give us a son called Emmanuel. Another one, uh, you behold, you, you, you know, unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Isaiah chapter 9, and, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. And then, and then it goes on to saying, he shall come from Galilee and, and be a light to the Gentiles along the way of the Jordan. I mean, all of that. That's 600 years before it happened. And you keep moving through the scriptures, and he'll come out of Bethlehem, Micah says. This is where my my Messiah, my ruler, my anointed one will come. And it keeps moving forward. And then you get to Malachi, and it ends by saying, and behold, the Lord whom you're seeking, the Messiah whom you're seeking, will suddenly come to his temple, and who can stand in his presence? And you think, oh, my gosh, man, it's close. No, it would be 400 more years. Yeah. Between Malachi and Matthew, there's 400 years, twice as long as the United States has been around. But you say, oh, well, God was slow. No, a day's like a thousand years with him. Well, God forgot. Oh, no, he's moving <laughs> it forward. He's moving it forward through the generations. And then Christ comes. Now watch this. Now the neck of that prophecy begins to narrow because now an angel appears to Mary and Joseph. Now it's beginning to come forth, and an angel of God appears to Zechariah in the temple about John the Baptist. Now it's coming close. Then the baby is born in Bethlehem, and shepherds are brought there. And then a year or two later, the wise men come, and you say, okay, now it's fulfilled. Oh, no, it's not. No, they're watching it happen but it would still be 30 more years, 30 more years, half of our lifetimes before he would start his public ministry. And you say, okay, well, now it happened. No, it would still be three more grueling years before he goes to the cross. Well, when he goes to the cross, most of the people thought, well, it's over. It's a big mess. He's dead. Our Messiah's dead. No, three days later, he would rise from the grave. Boom. And you say, well, now now it's finished. Well, it's finished, but 50 days later, the church would be born. Then there would be 2,000 more years of the gospel being proclaimed. 2,000 years, brother. So, you see, this is what I tell people. Don't sit here in 2017 and say, well, nothing happened on Shemitah. Well, yes, it did. You just weren't watching. Well, right. nothing's really going on in the Middle East. And look, Donald Trump's in office now. Everything's fine. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Please don't be foolish like that. We're just in a little speck of time. We know that God said, when Israel comes back, you're in the last days. When technology explodes into all kinds of godlessness, you're in the last days. 
when the Middle East is on fire and Russia's there making compacts with Iran and Turkey is going Islamic, you're in the last days. When borders are collapsing of international superpowers, you're in the last days. And on and on and on I could go. And all of that's happening right now. But because we live in a microwave society and something drastic doesn't happen today or yesterday, we think, oh, well, it's, it's not going to happen. That crazy Carl and crazy Dan, they just they don't know what they're talking about. But that's how it happens, brother. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes a lot of sense. And you greatly, uh, you know, and I'm going to address the folks for a minute. Folks, this book, The Lion Roars, uh, Carl has taken a bunch of articles of news and th- events that are happening right now and have happened, just happened, and he puts a biblical perspective on them. Carl, uh, it, it is a really great work that you did because it, it, it will bring that out to people. I think it is a book for more now after the election than before the election because it will get people to realize just what you're saying, that it is going on. And, you know, how is the book doing anyway? Brother, God has blessed it. I mean, it is continually listed as a bestseller on Amazon. It's been number one bestseller in multiple categories. It was number one bestselling book in new releases for months. Um, it's got a five-star rating. Everybody that's rated it, with, a sec- with the exception of just a handful of people, but everybody else has rated it five stars, glowing reviews from all over the world. Um, and, and God is using it. I've done dozens of TV and radio interviews and print media interviews, and I've been preaching and teaching from it. And, and I mean, the Lord is really using this book. Well, amen. And it's really well put together. I like this. You know what I like about it? I like the, the short chapters. Thank you. Those are great. Explain to them what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm going to write all of my books that way from now on. It really, (laughs) I was really convicted as I was writing it that, you know, look, people's attention spans are a little shorter these days. (laughs) I mean, I'm a reader, I'm a researcher, but I'm weird. You know, not everybody's like me. And and most people just want five, six, seven pages, get to the point, tell me what you got, and then I'll put it down and I'll read another chapter later. And people like that. They like that kind of reading. And they, they, they describe it, reading my book, as like eating a bag of potato chips. You know, they eat three or four pieces, and then they say, well, I'll put it down. But then they pick it up, and they say, no, I can't stop. And they keep going. And, and the short chapters kind of – it kind of fools your brain, but it makes you think that you're just uh, zipping through it. And, you know, and so it's just easier to read. It's easier to digest. I wrote it at a level – and I'm not speaking down to your audience. I, I just I, – you know, brother, I'm blessed to have a lot of education and, you know, it's Greek and Hebrew and master's right. degrees and all that. But, but you know, most people don't want to read books like that. They, they don't. That, that's not how they think and talk. So I said, Lord, let me just bring this to where the average person sitting in the pew can not only get it, but the light bulb will pop on in their head and they will say, aha, now I understand it. So that's what I asked for. I think the Lord granted my desire because I've had so many people say that this is the first book of prophecy I've ever read that I actually understand clearly, and I see my place in the middle of it. So I hope that's what you're experiencing, Dan. Amen. Amen. Uh, uh, Your your, your humor, your personality comes through the book, you know, and uh, 
and for the record, Carl, you do have a good uh, humorous personality, you know, Thank but uh, amen, and it comes out in the book in your writing, and so, you know, it's in a style that it is, it's easy to read, uh, I mean, you know, I can, uh, I took it around in my truck while I was waiting on some appointments for somebody, and I always, I don't know about you, but I'm a big reader, but I hate, you know, you get in the middle of a chapter, you know, and you just gotta keep reading it, and keep reading it, and keep reading it, and, you know, but this, I'm able to get through that chapter and able to put it down for a little bit and then do something else. And then when I got another 10, you know, five, 10 minutes or whatever, I pick it up and I nail another chapter. And, you know, it, it makes me feel real good about reading it. So, yeah. yeah, I think you should write other books like this. I'm going to. I'm going to, Every book I write from this point forward, and I don't, you know, I've got one I'm working on now. Uh, but, but I don't know how many more the Lord will allow me, but I'm going to do them all like that because I, I think you're right. I think that's a key to today's modern reader, especially on complex topics. And prophecy is complex in the minds of many, and I've tried to make it very, very easy to understand. Yeah, amen. Well, you know, modern society, um, we've gotten uh, away, we're getting further and further away from reading, we're becoming a visual, you know, where everybody wants to see it on YouTube or they want to hear it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so we're losing that, not that people can't read, but they're losing that, that reading thing, especially though, when, you know, if I'm reading something online, like, and a lot of people are getting ebooks and things, They'll look at it online, and I don't know about you, but I can't read very long online. You know, I mean, I I do my research, but if it comes to a book, I want it in my hand. But this does make it easy to read online because it's short chapters. Yeah. No, you're right. And and listen, um, you and I are old men, so so, so, no, I think (laughs) the people our age group, I think think most of – those people feel that way. I like a book in my hand. I like to turn a page. I like to smell the paper. I like to feel the book in my hand. I like to be able to take it with me and open and shut it. It's just something that makes the whole human experience. To read it online, that's what I do all day long. I read and research online, you know, almost every day. And man, that's work. (laughs) When I get a book, I I, want to relax. And so, but you know, the younger generation doesn't see it that way. They've grown up reading everything online. So you're right. They're not going to sit there and read a book that has 50 pages in a chapter. They're just not going to do it. So I wrote mine six or seven pages per chapter. You can read each chapter. And I think the longest chapter, there's two or three chapters that have nine or 10 pages. All the rest of them have six or seven pages. Yeah, and it's excellent. You cover, cover a lot of events, get, answer some a lot of questions about some of the things. And I won't. We don't have time anyway. But um, uh, so you reveal the what you believe is behind some of the Obama things that he did, and and where it lines up. And so it's really, really a, a great book. And yeah, I'm a book guy. You know, I I love it when I get sent books in the mail to read. You know, and a lot of publishers say, well, I can send you, you know, uh, uh, electronic version right now. I said, well. You can send me that, and I'll scan it, but I want the book in my hand. I like to be able to look up at my bookshelves and see all the huge amount of books around me. You know, it just, I don't know, it just kind of does something. Yeah, no, no, you're right. I, I, I'm the same way. I'm sitting in my office right now, and I've got books all over the walls, and people come in my office and say, have you read all those books? And I say, yeah, almost every one of them. <laughs> Yeah. Almost every. I mean, there's a few that I haven't, and I'm still working on them. But I mean, I've got hundreds of books in my office, and I've read almost every single one of them. Yeah, Amen. Uh, I, I'm the same way, I, and and I reread them, or you know, they're 
they're there for reference or whatever. I, I'm just a book guy, I guess. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Carl, uh, we come to the end of our program. Sorry about my n- nose and being all stuffed up today, but <laughs> uh, we'll have you back on soon. Tell them uh, where to find your website, and then it's about time to get out of here. Yeah, thank you, brother. No, listen, you, you're, you're a great, gracious host and friend and brother in the Lord. Yeah, carlgallops.com, carlgallops.com. And when you click on it, you come to the landing page, click on the big red letters, enter here. There's a lot of stuff to see on the landing page. But when you get into that enter here page, man, hang on. You can be there for hours. And you can click on the page. You can see my church and everything about that, videos, thousands and thousands. Check out the new thing called Carl Tube, and uh, you, you're going to be amazed when you see that. And articles, it's all right there, books, everything, carlgallops.com. Very interactive, as you said earlier. Thanks for being on with me, Carl, and you're you're right about that. And, boy, I, uh, I don't know. I'll pray this cold away. Anyway, thanks for being on. I love you, brother, and we'll Thank do you. it again soon. All, All right. right. Pray for you, brother. God bless you. Yeah, thanks. Well, folks, uh Sorry about the cold and all the sniveling and things, but, you know, I have no control over uh, a cold anyway. But check out Carl Gallup's, and, you know, there's a lot of things happening out there right now, and I do have something very important that I do believe why uh, that's going to happen between Russia and America and Israel. Um I'm going to try to present it in the next program. If not, we'll do it next week because uh, I'm not sure about what I'm going to do for the next program. But make sure you tune in because I'll have a really good guest for you in the next program or, you know, we'll be talking about this other thing. But make sure you turn in from an hour, an hour from now. But, folks, really pray about supporting Wichita Mission Church. We do need your help. This is a new year, and we really don't pull out of our our holiday slump until clear into, like, February. When people start getting their income tax checks and and they have a little extra cash, and then we get bailed out. But right now, we are still in a supreme slump. I haven't even paid all of this month's airtime. So pray about it. Pray about supporting Wichita Mission Church. Pray about a donation today, and I know a lot of people think, well, only got five or ten dollars. Any kind of donation will help. I'm telling you, um, we can use it. Anyway, remember, there is only one God. He is your Father. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He, <clears throat> his Son is Yeshua Hamashiach. He gave his life for repentant sins. He rose after three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And through him, and only through him, through Yeshua Hamashiach, Jesus Christ is the way to the Father. Lord, our God, Father, King Universe, asking Yeshua HaMashiach's name, Father, that you would please bless and keep them, and that your face would shine upon them, and be gracious to them, and give them peace like no one or nothing else can. Until an hour from now, this is Pastor Dan saying goodbye and shalom. You've just heard the Messiah's Branch broadcast featuring Pastor Dan. To contact Dan on the Internet, go... Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.